Hello, this is Do Go On. I'm Matt Stewart. And I'm Taran Jayamana. And uh, we're in Sydney. And uh, we're about to be in Brisbane. And we're doing live shows. They're called Dry Dryer. And also, who knew with Matt Stewart in both those cities? And you can get details at mattstewartcomedy.com. Anything else you want to tell the good listeners that do go on, Saran? Well, the whole point of this was you thought that it might be more engaging if you had a different voice. But you've said most of the information. So, hey, come see us in Sydney and Brisbane. Yeah, that was engaging. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether it's your first ever website or your business is expanding, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website and engage with your audience. Upload video content, organize your video library and showcase your content on beautiful video pages. You can even sell access to your video library by adding a paywall to your content. Cha-ching. <laughs> you can help with written content on your website with Squarespace AI, which I used to write this next sentence, so check this out. Generate instant, personalised results that know and show your brand identity. Explain what your site is about, choose your tone, and enter what you need to get short or long-form text. Squarespace AI, Squarespace AI makes it easier to go live, stand out, and succeed online. Oh, Dave, if only it could also not just write it, but read it too. <laughs> And edit it. (laughs) Hey, sell exclusive content on your site by adding a paywall to sell memberships or courses. Or sell files your customers can download like PDFs, music or ebooks. Man, it's starting to sound like I'm obsessed with money. (laughs) (laughs) And you are. So head to squarespace.com slash do go on for a free trial and to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Welcome to another episode of Do Go On. My name is Dave Warnicke, and as always, I'm here with Matt Stewart. Hello, Matt. Hey, Dave. How's it going? Thanks so much for having me hey, here. Great to have you here, but also we are joined by a very special guest, Mr. Sandspants Radio himself. <laughs> yeah. It's Joel Zamet. G'day, g'day. Thank you for having me. Zamet, how are you? Yeah, I'm all right. Yeah, can't complain. I forgot your first name was Joel. <laughs> Yeah, look, so, so do I'm I. I'm like, I think they fucked that up. <laughs> I was panicking. I was also rolling the dice on that. I, I yeah, picked a name yeah, yeah. random and that. Like, it's, you're Zamet. Mm. Yeah, you're, you're like Beyonce or or uh, Elvis. Yeah. You don't need two Madonna, names. Madonna, maybe. Madonna's another classic. I, I do remember, and I don't know if you, you remember this, um, Matt, uh, maybe you're just a gracious person, but I do remember we did a live show together in, uh, I think it was Adelaide, and at the <laughs> end of the show, as when everyone was leaving and then like everyone ran off stage or whatever, due to some reason... I ended up being like, and thank you, thanks our guest, Matt Smith. <laughs> I don't remember you, that at all. And because you're such a kind soul, you never picked up that up on me. And I, I, I didn't realize that until listening back to it and realizing I said that to a crowd of people. Uh, so I just cut that out of the recording. So I'm like, I can't deal with that. That's just, oh, I was just like too busy thinking of Doctor Who or something. Yeah, next week we'll be joined by Tom Baker. <laughs> I, I do, I remember a long time, like, yeah, I imagine I would have, I would have, uh, I would have noticed at the time. But it's the kind of thing like, yeah, I remember the getting that advice starting stand. I was like, don't, 
If the MC says your name wrong, don't bring it up on stage. No one cares. <laughs> yeah, don't bring it up, especially if the MC, it's not just an MC, but also your friend that you've just done a yeah. show with. Yeah, 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 yeah. Very funny. But you just obviously repay the favour by not knowing Zamet's first name. <laughs> Hey, Zamet. Yeah. God damn it, Zamet. I know yeah, I'm, I know your Twitter handle. Thank you. All right, yeah. Anyway, yeah. Uh, we're actually here at Sam's Pants Radio. How cool is that? Like, Zamet's is one of the few guests that uh, will uh, come on the show but also supply their own studio. <laughs> yeah. So we really appreciate that. We must say that uh, Jess is in a bit of a COVID isolation situation at the mm-hmm. moment, which I'm sure all of us will be at some stage. So it's her turn to be in the soundproof box. Yep. We are waving at her. She... <laughs> Is conscious. <laughs> it's only a matter of time. Jeez, I hope that dates well. Um, <laughs> but, uh, Dave, before we get into the episode, you, you've got an announcement to make about an upcoming live show we're doing. That's right. Do Go On is appearing live at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival, but in a slightly new format. We are doing Do Go On, dot, 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 the quiz show. Jeez, the, those dots. I reckon the people were gasping. <laughs> What's going like, <gasps> Dot, dot, dot. So, so, so Is he going to tell like us a, this week? Yeah. So it's a quiz show. Are you, are you, who are you quizzing? Are you quizzing your, your fellow do-go-oners? Yeah, that's right. So I'll, I'll be the host in this scenario, and uh, each week I'll be bringing up a, one topic from history, and we'll be going through it, and I'll be quizzing Matt on one team with a guest, Jess on another team with a guest, going head-to-head, head-to-head in what I would call uh, comedy shenanigans. Yeah. And they're going to be big guests. Dave has promised me big, big guests. He That's said right. Jerry guests. Seinfeld. He, it would, it's going to depend on who the festival books, but if Jerry's here, if Jerry's Dave in. said he'll get him. <laughs> yeah, that's good, right. Good, good. I want to heckle. I've that, got yeah. a big net. <laughs> Jerry, get in. So yeah, that's really exciting. So we're going to do this three Monday nights. We're doing that uh, nine PM Monday nights, and we're doing it at the Melbourne Town Hall, which is a proper nice We've venue. We made it. Yeah. We told the comedy festival we'd sell the tickets, so please <laughs> buy the tickets. We'd really appreciate it if you came down. So it's 9 o'clock on Monday, April 4, April 11, and April 18. Different show every week, different guests every week. Uh, yeah, please come on down. It's going to be a lot of fun. And I'm you can, pumped. You can get tickets uh, at comedyfestival.com.au or via the link in the description of this episode. So that'll be really, really cool. And while we're here plugging shows, Zaman, mm-hmm. even sooner, you've got a oh, live yeah. show coming up. Yeah, apparently uh, we're doing a live show uh, February 19th at 5.30 at the Comedy Republic. Uh, it is a live Plumbing the Death Star where we're going to be answering the the important question of how would you curse a small village, which uh, <laughs> if, if, if anyone listens to Plumbing the Death Star, it's actually like basically a cursed episode because we did this once before and when we finished recording it, like not, not, not live, but like, you know, at, at the studio. And when we finished it, we all looked at each other and we're like, we we can't release this. This is terrible. This is bad. <laughs> like we went places. <clears throat> um, so it's only available to like certain, certain patrons as it were. So uh, we're going to be doing it live. Um, so good luck to everyone that's there. Um, <laughs> it's a great venue. We did our Christmas show there. Oh, what a great time. In December. I had a great time. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, that's yeah. a hot tip. So people could right yeah. now buy tickets for four different shows. Four we should say that about our uh, quiz show each episode. Each Show will be entirely different show, Completely different topic, different. and it's going to be like a do go on episode. By the end, where you're leaving, you've laughed, but you've also learned. That's right, because we're di- we're deep diving into a, a topic you think you know a lot about, but then when you think about it, you actually don't know that much, and we'll find out how little you know. You laugh, mm. you learn, you live, and in the end, you lament a little bit. Anyway, uh, we, we should really get onto the show, Zamet. Uh, I'll get Dave to explain the show to you and yep. any new listeners. 
Dave, how, what is this show? Uh, Zama, what we do here is we take it in turns to report on a topic often suggested by a listener. One of the three of us, me, Matt, or Jess, go away, do a bit of a research on a topic, bring it back to the group in the form of a report. Now, you guys, and you can attest to this because some people don't believe us, mm-hmm. but you don't know what the topic is going to be. Mm-hmm. I don't. And uh, we always start with a question to get us onto that topic. So my question for you and Matt is, in 1985... The broadcast of which music concert was watched by an estimated 1.9 billion people what? worldwide? 1985. Okay, I was not born. Um, okay, well, Matt was about 600 years old back no, then. Six or so hundred years, give not, or take a couple of millennia. Yeah. So you say 1985? 1985. Was it that one where uh, Queen sang with the, the, the microphone stand? Yes, there is a microphone mm-hmm. stand and there is Queen at this gig. So is it a live aid is type it a, thing? Is it a live aid? It is a live aid type thing, so much so that it is indeed. Is it, is it live aid? It's live aid. <laughs> Congratulations, <laughs> Sam! You're so close there, but we'll have to get give the point technically to Matt. That's Someone fair, is tracking fair. the scores. Okay, that's makes so sense. So gl- we've saved them having to make a new column. That's, that's <laughs> right. Look, you said Queen, and I was like, oh, yeah, live aid. I, I was usually going to be like, is that like a marriage between like a royal? Uh, maybe oh, is that when yeah. Diana and and that was mate? around like, that time, wasn't it? She yeah. died in '97, mm-hmm. the day the Saints uh, finished on top of the ladder. Yeah, uh, bittersweet day for you as a child. I was watching yeah. an Agatha Christie uh, mystery like, when that happened. Really? Yeah. Oh, did they yeah. stop it? Poirot no, no, no. Poir- was about the- to say the murderer <laughs> is. <laughs> we interrupt this broadcast. The media hounded her. Yeah. <laughs> we were watching like like Death on the Nile or something like that, like a VHS. And then when that finished, we were like, oh, oh, oh no, oh yeah. no, that's yeah. yeah. Anyway, mm. sorry to bring that up for everyone. Great Agatha Christie, though. There's no denying it. Mm-hmm. Uh, this Rest topic- in peace, the people's princess. Yes, and also the people murdered in Death on the Nile. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Hey, spoilers! <laughs> <laughs> now, this uh, topic has been suggested by a few people, also voted for by the Patreon and supporters of the show at dogoonpod.com. I put up four musical topics in this one. Just pipped another topic that I'm going to get to one day, but I don't want to give away too much. But this one suggested by uh, Zoe Jones from Portsmouth, Harry Green from Cows on the Isle of Wight. Sam Robinson from Wellington and New Zealand, Eric Morales from LA, and Steve Dumbold from San Diego. Ah, wow. They're from like three different countries. <laughs> yes, I appreciate it. Truly an international yeah. podcast. Yes. Big fan of cows, the yes. Isle of And White. an island. Yeah, so our cows is obviously named after their cows, I'm guessing. Do we not have Probably. anything original? Our Morabin's the original Morabin, though. The Morabin. Yeah. That's what people call it. <laughs> you tell me it's on the Frankston? Yeah. No. Surely not. Oh, I bet you there is. Yeah. Frank probably, he would probably name towns all around the world. Mm. Now, the background to Live Aid, uh, sadly, is the unspeakable tragedy of a famine that took place in Ethiopia from uh, 1983 to 1985. So we've got to go through that a little bit. Okay. But then uh, there's a bit more light on the other side of that. But for the context, we've got, okay. to, we've got to say, uh, food shortages <laughs> led to a hunger crisis and famine that caused up to one million deaths in those couple of years. Oh, that's pretty fucked. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Northern Ethiopia was particularly affected because of a drought and a border war at the time. And it's since been noted that the famine was caused by much more than a natural disaster, more than a drought, and had a lot more to do with government and war and the government spending on war and not on health and food. But at the time it was widely reported on as being a big drought. Mm. We've got to help these people. 
They've uh, their crops have failed. Now they're starving. Yeah. So ignore the fact that there's we have military military welfare. Ignore yeah, that. Yeah, don't worry about ignore that. Ignore that we're waging. Shush. Don't worry. Yeah, we're spending thirty uh, percent of the budget on military and two yep. percent on health. No, don't worry about that. It's that. It's that pesky no rain. Yeah, at the time, that is the world's view of it. Uh, and the famine became big news, particularly in the UK, when in October 1984, Michael Burke's BBC News report beamed images of hundreds of thousands of people starving in Ethiopia. The BBC were the first to report on the famine, and the and Burke described it as quote a biblical famine in the twentieth century. He also described it later as the closest thing to hell on earth. Central to that news story was thirty one year old British Swiss nurse named Claire Bertschinger. Bertschinger, great name. Uh, she was shown in the broadcast to be surrounded by eighty five thousand starving people and had the horrific daily task of deciding which children would be allowed into her feeding oh station and which were too sick to be saved. Cool. What a fun job to have. Yeah. So, you know, you are – it's a <laughs> heroic job but also very scarring. She didn't talk yeah. about it for 20 years afterwards. That's Because it really scarred her. Uh, Burke, the reporter, later recalled, quote, there were two films, two pieces that finally aired. I knew they wanted them to be about three minutes but I cut eight and thought, fuck them. And that's what they are. <laughs> He's a badass. Fuck him. Fuck him. They'll play this. And uh, they did, and it was a massive news story. And the images shot by Kenyan cameraman Muhammad Amin have been described by The Guardian as one of the most famous television reports of the late 20th century. It spurred the British public into... In- I reckon they could have just gone the 20th century. Or are they, they're comparing it to television reports from the early 20th century. Yeah, yeah. Let's just call it the 20th century. <laughs> yeah. Give him the fo- – why are they tr- tr- minimising the achievement? Honestly, it was much more influential <laughs> than the uh, footage shot in the 17th and the 18th centuries. <laughs> Let's call it all-time. <laughs> it's an all-timer. Freaking hell. Oh, it was probably the most influential footage on TV from that, that week. From March say. 1985. Yeah. <laughs> Small sliver there. Yeah, the week after really that. just diminish yeah, after your that, achievements, Top mate. of the pops again. <laughs> uh, it spurred the British public into inundating relief agencies with donations and also put the famine on the front page across the world. It was even broadcast on a major news channel without revoicing Burke's original English commentary, something that was almost unheard of at the time. Usually they'd revoice it, recut it, but they just they were like, wow, this is powerful. So it just went out. As- yeah, because – yeah. Burke, has, he had quite a, a difficult accent. <laughs> it was like do. full Cockney. <laughs> anyway, then. <laughs> <laughs> I want to hear more. Go on. <laughs> let's, let's, let's recreate it. We cross live now to Michael Burke in Ethiopia. Wrong tone. <laughs> I never, I never, I never had. I was about to say I lost control, but never had control. Of that. <laughs> and that went for eight minutes. <laughs> Just Gasu is finishing a direct. All right, you geezers. Look at this one over here. He's starving. That one's starving. Oh, he's all fucked. He's all fucked. Powerful stuff. That is power. And they play that. Yeah. Played that unedited. Just, yeah, eight minutes of. Oh fuck, mate. Honestly. Fuck. Well, oh. enter another man who's got a famous voice and also famous for swearing on TV. Uh, millions watched it, including an Irish musician by the name of Bob Geldof. Ah, yes. Uh, at the time, the 33-year-old was the singer of the Boomtown Rats, a band who do not like Mondays. Yeah, that's. Uh, do, they, do they have any other hits? That's their big international one. Right. Probably, I think, locally, maybe. Mm. 
uh, um, Tuesdays are all right. Yeah. Wednesday's my favourite. Yeah. Thursday, Friday, Saturday reprise. <laughs> Sunday fun day. <laughs> yeah. All I know about uh, Galdorf is that he had maybe a feud with Michael Hutchinson. And is that it? Ah. Yes, I think he, well, he adopted Michael Hutchinson's daughter right. after he died because right. he was uh, dating. The ultimate revenge. <laughs> Raising your daughter <laughs> after you? your death. Because he was dating Paula Yates, who maybe was the f- the mother, but then she also died. Yeah. And then. They had a series of Irish and UK hits, including like Clockwork, Rat Trap. I don't like Mondays and Banana Republic. Yeah, I think the Mondays one's the only one I Rat can... Trap sounds familiar. Rat Trap sounds like it's going to be a fun song. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I was, I just thought I was going to know <laughs> something else, but. <laughs> No. <laughs> I don't like my nose got uh, released in 1979 and again in 1994. Yeah, a bit of a repeat. That's our, that's probably why we know it because it was a top 40 single <laughs> nearly 20 years after it was first released. How about that? How about that? <laughs> As uh, Michael, what is, whatever his name would say, Michael Burke. Burke. Probably not even saying that right. Michael How about Burke. that? <laughs> Um, Gary, I, don't know, I wasn't even. I didn't even get near an English accent. I just made it my voice deeper. I loved it. <laughs> Live for it. It was good. I you, appreciate it. Can you trim some of this stuff out? <laughs> All right, listeners. Uh, you might notice this episode is a little, uh, a little tighter than normal because Dave is going to do a heavy edit of it <laughs> as he has to release it pretty much as soon as we <laughs> no, stop <that's> recording. Right. <laughs> <laughs> if that happened, I will have to pull an all nighter and then go to work tomorrow. <laughs> we'll find out. <laughs> If you're hearing this, I uh, went to bed. <laughs> so Geldof thought up the idea. Of he wa- he watched this news report that everyone else is watching at the time. Big news. He thought up the idea of releasing a charity single to raise money and awareness for famine relief. Gary Kemp from Spandau Ballet recalled in 2004, quote, The day after Michael Burke's report, I was in an antique store on King's Road. Geldof saw me and came in. What are these pop stars' lives? He sucked the air out of the place and took over, as he does. He said... Don't do that. (laughs) Did you see the news last night? He was very very clearly moved. Maybe if we get a few people together, yourselves, Duran and some others, maybe you would be interested in making a record. I said, yeah, sure, and that was it. Great. So he's just got this idea and just gone, seen a mate and gone, Mm. let's do it, and then it's happening. That's It's interesting. I just, for some reason, assumed that Bob Geldof was interested, like he was visiting Africa and... Involved with it, he just saw a TV saw report that everyone this... else saw. It. Yeah, obviously very powerful. Yeah, yeah report. Eight, eight minutes of swearing yeah. uh, in a Cockney <laughs> accent really got him across the line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or whatever that accent was. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's like, mate, you see something on the telly last night? <laughs> Should we make a song? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Spandau Ballet. What was that? They were gold. Ha ha ha. Oh, ha. true. If we have to stop and sing one of the the bands hits every time I mention a band. It's, it's going to be a long episode. But now I think because I know two of these this band song, so I think we're we're getting bigger as yeah. we go. What about gold? So, I always believe in you. Oh, <laughs> I know that well, but I, yeah. I know of Spandau Ballet. Uh, so Gardoff's like, I'm going to write this song together with the singer of Ultravox, Midge Ur, Midge oh, Ur. Yeah. Was Vienna? Vienna. <laughs> Watched the making of that the other night. You know when what? you're just just uh, on normal TV, just mm. flicking, and the making of Ultravox's Vienna was on at about twelve thirty at night. Is, it, is, is the song called Vienna? I don't yeah. know. Yeah, 
the making of. Yeah, and it was, you know, the classic talking heads are all sitting in rooms going, then what I thought was. <laughs> <laughs> they were Scottish, but <laughs> but he's like, you know, then I thought maybe we could make the clip sort of art house, you know. <laughs> was it, doing black and white. Was it a very important clip? I guess it, they seem I mean, to think it was. Yeah, I mean, I, it would have been for them. There's a making of it. Like, yeah. That was on the tally. Yeah, it's weird. It's so on the tally. Yeah. In, uh, that's why know, I had to. In 2022. I, was, I could, couldn't get my head around what you meant. Making of. <laughs> what do you mean? Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so he's uh, often overshadowed slightly by Geldof, but with him, mm. he also co wrote the song Do They Know It's Christmas, the big charity single that year. Oh. Him and, so Midge and. Oh. I was confusing those two things. I was thinking that this was that, but that had already happened. I'm not sure when Vienna came out. No, sorry. Do they know it's Christmas? Happened before before Live, Live Aid. Aid. Yeah, yeah, so they did the charity single first. Uh, and I'm not sure if you love or hate this, but Midge got his nickname because his name is Jim, and that's what Jim sounds like backwards. Uh, Even though you spell it M-I-D-G-E, Midge. Yeah, I do hate that. Yeah. As nicknames go. You know what I like yeah. about you hating that? Because I expected to do this report with Jess, and I also thought she'd hate it. So you're filling in completely. Yeah. Cool. That's I, perfect. I think that's pretty hateable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. When I hear Midge, I think of Mode. Mose is like, hey, Midge. <laughs> 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 is that because he doesn't know her he name? He doesn't know her name. <laughs> right. So I thought it was a, so. wasn't sure if it was a nickname or if he just never oh, hey, figured Midge. out her name. Hey, Midge. <laughs> 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 That's very funny if it's just he does it. He's got a big crush on her. Crush on even his best friend's wife. Uh, so Geldof and Midge put the call out to their famous buddies and formed the supergroup Band Aid. And on the twenty first, twenty fifth of Is November. That yeah, it's that's a pun. Well, it's uh, a, it's I hate a that as well. It's a copyrighted like brand. Oh. Yeah, but good luck to Band Aid suing for that. You look like a dick. Yeah, Johnson and Johnson coming would've. for you. Yeah. On the 25th of November 1984, nearly 40 pop stars arrived at a studio in West London to record the single. Artists on it include Sting, Phil Collins, George Michael, Bono, Duran Duran, Culture Club, Cool and the Gang, Spandau Ballet, Bananarama, and many, many more. Uh, Huey Lewis. Was he there? Yeah, he got a late call up, if I'm thinking of the right thing. Oh, fantastic. I've heard him tell that story he... <laughs> a few times. <laughs> really? He gets the call up for this, but uh, did not get the call up for Live Aid. Yeah, well, they're lost, I Misses guess. Misses out. Well, I think that he originally was on there, but maybe there was a fight between the people running it. Right. I, that's one of the few mm. things I don't go into. This is a, this is a, There's a lot to get through here. Nothing uh, quite like, hey, we're doing something for charity. No, no, let my ego get in the way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, that's, a, that's a lot of egos, too. And, you know, oh, so many. They're all, they'd all used to being huge stars mm. in their own right. So just to get in the same room would have been Oof. interesting. Mm. And some of them have feuds with each other and all sorts of stuff. There was some, there were the one of the stories that Huey tells, or I'm sure I've heard him tell at least once or twice, was that uh, Michael Jackson was right next to him, I think. I'm bu- going to butcher this. But they, they did it in one take. So, you know, it was, uh, you know, Lionel Richie or whoever, and they do it one by one. Everyone does a, a line, then it's Elton John, or who I can't remember who it was or whatever. And then it it would get up to Michael and he'd uh, – they would just stop before him because he'd be like, well, if he didn't get it right, he'd fuck it up, so it would have to all start again. But they never let it – and then it meant that all the people after him <laughs> – I can't remember. Oh, you haven't butchered it. You're still there. I'm there. <laughs> it gets to Michael. They leave a space. 
I'm there. I don't know. I'm there. <laughs> you don't know the I'm like, I can't remember. I thought it was going to make sense as I told it, but I, I've... I've, I've, um, we can fill this in. So by the time it got to them, all the people after, after them, that, so they'd, bit... they'd cut and start again. But there was some. They get there was some reason why it was a, a genius thing that someone was doing. I can't remember. What, I can't remember the anecdote. Huey <laughs> tells it well, though. I promise you. You know, and the best part is, it's not. Do they know it's Christmas? It's We Are the World, the other charity oh, single no. <laughs> that he was that Huey. Oh. Huey, no. <laughs> he didn't do it on Christmas. <laughs> which, I didn't know there were, I didn't realise there were two different There's another single, yeah, singles. which I also will talk about. And these, <laughs> so is this all happening after Michael, Michael Young's story? Michael, who was the reporter? Burke. Oh, but, yeah. this, this all happened, Burke's story. Burke's story goes off. out, Bob Geldof sees it, says, we've got to do something about mm-hmm. this. He writes and records, Do They Know It's Christmas, which right. despite being a legitimately terrible song, mm-hmm. it became the fastest selling single in UK chart history, selling a million copies in the first week and passing three million sales in the last day of 1984. The song went on to, rec- to hold the record as the biggest selling UK single ever, a record it held until Elton John came along and re-released Candle in the Wind after the death of Princess Diana. Oh, it's funny that that came up. Yeah. Uh, initially, Bob Geldof had hoped the single would raise £70,000. That was his aim. It went on to make £8 million in wow. the first year. Smashed it. And continues to raise money with the royalties every year. Ah, so if you're hearing it on the radio, despite it being a terrible song, it is still raising money. Did it Did it make a real difference, that money? For a good cause, right? Because it, yep, of the yep. drought. Yeah, yeah, it did send a, a bunch of stuff over. Yeah. But then Geldof was like, we could do more. So he set his sights on staging a huge concert to raise further funds. <clears throat> his hope was that a concert could help the Band Aid organisation that he'd set up buy a fleet of trucks to move food and supplies to Ethiopians in need. If they had their own trucks. So the first time they flew a bunch of supplies over with mm-hmm. their money, which was great, but if they had their own trucks, they could break a cartel that had been set up in the country was his okay. idea. You don't have to go through the local... Uh, mm-hmm. People who might rip you off. Mm. He's gonna. They own the trucks outright. That food's gonna go where you want it to. Yeah, that was right. that was his hope. So it's not not going to like the military. It's going straight to the people. cutting yeah. out the middle military. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The middle truckies. Now it should be noted that this wasn't the first charity concert put together by rock and pop stars. In 1971, former Beatle George Harrison had organised the concert for Bangladesh at Madison Square Garden, and this was a a benefit for refugees in the former East Pakistan. So that had already happened 14 years earlier. Okay. But once Geldof arrived at the idea of a concert, he was determined. He arrived at promoter Harry, he arrived at promoter Harvey Goldsmith's office and said, we're doing this. Apparently everyone who talks about him, he was like a whirlwind, like a real power, sets yeah. his mind to something. Everyone goes, all right, Bob. <laughs> yeah, all right, right. There you, go. <laughs> you don't have to wave a gun around. <laughs> uh, with the help of producer Michael C. Mitchell, Live Aid sold broadcast rights to 150 countries. Both MTV and ABC carried the feed in the United States and later in the form of a primetime special hosted by Dick Clark. Wow, the Dick Clark. The Dick Clark, DC. Uh, The BBC agreed to cover the event, clearing their schedules to run the 16-hour concert in its entirety on BBC One, BBC Two and on Radio One. Bands, like I said, said Geldof was simply impossible to refuse. He travelled around the world to track them down and then demanded they add their names to the bill. And apparently he even had to trick some of the artists into doing it. Andy Zweck, who was a production manager on the show, said, 
Geldof had to call Elton and say, Queen are in and Bowie's in, and of course they weren't. Then he'd call Bowie and say, Elton and Queen are in. It was a real game of bluff. That's great. <laughs> You're in. And then, like, of course, they're like, well, if they're in, yeah. we've got to do it. That's, a, that's just a great scam. Like, that's just, oh, he's just playing to everyone's egos. For sure. Good job, mate. That's how we got uh, Zamet to agree to be a guest this week. I said Elton was in. He yeah, said, yeah, all right. Yeah, yeah, so he's kidding. Fortunately, Elton is. is running late. Okay, <laughs> but, fair enough. But he'll be here. Yeah, like, you he's very politely didn't ask questions <laughs> about yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Bob Geldof himself recalled... When I announced it, the only one who was dithering as ever was Brian Ferry. Fucking Brian. So I just said, when he announced it, he just said, and Brian Ferry. <laughs> yeah. And he rang to say, I didn't say yeah. And I said, well, say no then. You're the one who can announce it though. <laughs> so he's going to come out and say, no, I'm not doing that big charity concert. <laughs> so he basically... It's the most piece of shit move. Blackmail for a right cause, yeah, I guess. That's and a, and also you've given him a chance of just being involved in an iconic thing yeah. in the end. Like it it made, it really mm. built Queen's legacy, or gave you the chance to anyway. I don't know, no one's really talking about Brian Ferry's iconic. No, but, but spoiler, he does perform. Okay. He got him across the line. <laughs> so was, the, was this the one that Led Zeppelin reformed for? Is that a different Oh, one? yeah, I'm talking about that. Okay, great. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen this, Sam, but oh, we'll I be have, going through. I have not. My knowledge of this is like zero. This zero? Is oh, all great. Fantastic. I think mine That's might be quite a bit. <laughs> well, I mean, I was talking about the Huey wrong Louis, uh, Huey Louis. <laughs> Huey Louis. Yeah, Huey Louis and Dewey story or whatever. Uncle Scrooge is there. Oh, that's right. I got to Uncle Scrooge. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he made him stop the recording. We finally found someone who knows less about Huey Lewis than Matt. <laughs> <laughs> if that story comes to you, just, just buzz in at any time. Yeah, I wonder how it ends. What was the genius thing? Yeah. I, I think was, was it like they did it in one take, but because of MJ, they're like, well, we pause a little bit so that even if he fucks up, we can keep going and it make it look like it's one I can't, take. But it's I a, cannot. But it's a split. I mm. can't remember. And I definitely, what I do yeah. remember is it wasn't a story worth repeating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Email us in. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And Huey, email us in. I was having a <laughs> cold sweat that when I remembered that you're not editing this episode. <laughs> 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 like, I uh, will regret that. <laughs> okay, so the idea of Live Aid was to run two massive live concerts simultaneously, mm-hmm. one at Wembley Arena in London and the other at John F. Kennedy Stadium in Philadelphia, and then other acts from around the world would join via satellite links. So they, they've got crosses to mm-hmm. Germany. Peter Andre in Australia, probably. There is an Australian is contingent. Ooh. Yes, Ooh. Didn't know that. Oh, but the biggest worry was sticking to time because, you know, they've sold broadcast rights. Mm. They can't – a 16-hour concert, if it goes 10% out, it's, it's, that's a lot. It's a 16-hour concert. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. This is a, it's a festival. Yeah. Yeah. Probably the best lineup ever put together. Yeah, amazing. Uh, the whole thing was planned down to the minute and even the second. Promoter Harvey Goldsmith bought 20 massive clocks and stuck them all around the stage and sent notes around to every single act saying, I don't care what time you go on, I only care what time you go off. So you know, if you two, okay. you two run 15 <laughs> minutes late, sorry, Brian Ferry, but you're singing one minute. You, you got... <laughs> That's nice. He's running a tight ship. Okay. Yeah, I can I respect that. Brian's like, I didn't even want to be here. <laughs> I've been bumped. <laughs> so, oh, did anyone get bumped? No, we'll get to that. So, promoter Goldsmith's biggest worry was Axe going overtime, but Geldof, on the other hand, worried that the Axe just wouldn't turn up and that 16 hours of his own band, the Boomtown Rats, would have been, quote, a bit too much for everybody. 
Rat Trap. <laughs> All right, we're playing Rat Trap again. <laughs> oh, did we play Banana Republic yet? Yes, yeah, six times. <laughs> oh, Have I told you my thoughts on Mondays? <laughs> yeah, to another song. It's like, oh, if we can stretch it out instead of like, we'll do Monday, but like, say, the 1st of Feb and the 2nd of, and we just go by the dates. What do we think? What do we, and that, we can stretch that to like, tell you what, 40 like minutes? May the 4th, tell you what. <laughs> <laughs> the 40 minute version of I Don't Like Mondays. They're like, I swear Mick Jagger's going to turn up anytime, guys. Stick with me. Don't change the channel. Uh, to minimize change over time, bands performed on a revolving stage. So whilst one was playing, another could be setting up. Oh, that's sick. At the end of each set, sta- uh, set, the stage would turn and the next band would start to play. In this way, there was only a very short pause, but the the bands were also threatened by Geldof. He said, no one goes over. If you don't stop, we're literally going to press a button and the stage will spin around. <laughs> Which is hilarious to imagine. <laughs> this, re- this reminds me a bit of when we, well, when you organised a world record uh, attempt at the longest... Um, oh, longest ever variety show, yeah. And there was a similar rule where you're like... you. The, each act couldn't go over. Yeah, and ten minutes each, and the, the MCs, which is Adam Knox and I, mm. couldn't do more than five minutes in between each act, and we had a timer each time. So if one act theoretically goes ten minutes and ten, the whole record's off. It's not a variety so show. So th- this is all set down. The rules set down by, by Guinness. Guinness. Yeah, and I I get carried away a bit on stage, mm-hmm. and I talk pretty slowly. So I thought I'd I thought I had a set of eight minutes to do with a bit of a buffer, <laughs> and then I see the, there's clocks everywhere as well, and then uh, Adam Knox. Pretty much came up, and anyway, that was Matt because I, w- I went to like nine minutes and fifty five seconds. You're yelling out the punchline. <laughs> Cry, this is very much just like the the, the I guess the, the the ends justifies the means. Like this is this is all um, Geldof's idea here. It's just like no, nah, whatever. Yeah, I don't right. care. Whatever, whatever happens, we've got a goal and we're getting there. That's right. If I've got a fly kick Elton John off the piano, it's what's going to happen. Will, I fucking will. Which is he's like stressing they're going to make it there. And then if they do, it's like, <laughs> now fuck off again. <laughs> Just there at the side tapping his like wrist. Like, come on, mate. Come on. <laughs> I think I read somewhere that um, U2's manager called him at 2 a.m. the night before and said they'll only go on if they get a sound check. But no one gets a sound check because there's no time for that sort of mm, thing. Right. And, and the manager said, that well, they won't play. And then he goes, well, fuck them and hung, hung up. <laughs> of course, they turned up and played. But, you know, he was just that. <laughs> like, yeah. He just got shit done, which is cool. Mm. I used to think he was a bit of a dick from the interviews I'd seen with him. But now I'm like, no, I respect this guy. Yeah, yeah right. Well, it yeah. sounds like he's using his a bit of a dickness. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Like mad props to it. Like he's like, I got no time for your diva <laughs> shit. Yeah. You, okay. You're not going to sound shit. You're going to come? Yeah, because if you don't, I'm not saying you. You announce it, mate. Yeah. You say why you yeah, weren't there at exactly. a thing for charity. <laughs> yeah. He's that using. You said you were going to be. Go on. He's using his powers of his own diviness ah. to yeah. combat yeah. their exactly. diviness. If you're the ultimate diva, you yeah. can't out diva him. I'm King Diva. Yeah, he, he is King Diva. Well done, Bobby. Now, there's three awesome oral histories of Live Aid that I found. One on the Guardian, one on Yahoo, and one from Philly Mag. Uh, I'll link to them all in the show notes, but they uh, there were a lot of the, the quotes in this bit uh, come from. Uh, English TV presenter Noel Edmonds was helping out with getting the artists to the London gig. So it's all volu- voluntary. Everyone's volunteering their time. Noel Edmonds sort of chauffeuring. Yeah, and uh, so and um, this is him uh, speaking to The Guardian. He said, I had a helicopter company based in Battersea at the time. Of course he did. It's the 80s. Sure. <laughs> um, we shuttled people sure. into London Transport's cricket gr- ground about 400 yards from Wembley Stadium. 
On the day, it was the climax of their cricket tournament and they wouldn't abandon their game for us. So the umpires had whistles and when they saw a helicopter coming, they blew the whistles whistles, and, and, and the field for Amazing. us to land. <laughs> Imagine being playing in that game. You're on 99. <laughs> you know, a whistle blows and then Brian Ferry, yeah. looking pissed off, gets out of it. <laughs> Of a helicopter. Just grumbling. What am I doing? I don't want to be. Gus. It would be amazing. What a, you'd dine out on that forever as well oh, as cricketers. Oh, it would be so great, wouldn't it? <laughs> That's so like great. sort of like mid-level cricket, I'm guessing. It's not. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not it's like not I don't think it's county or anything. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, I seem to. Re- this is another quote from uh, Noel. I seem to remember that David Bowie's management said he only flew in a blue helicopter. <laughs> That's blue on the inside. And we managed to find one. I was killing time with him at Battersea before we flew in, and I said, look at the inside of this helicopter. He looked at me as if I were mad. He didn't give a shit about what hel- colour the helicopter was. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. Like, we got you a blue one. And he's like, what? Is that, <laughs> Why? Is that, isn't that like a trick managers do sometimes to make sure you really You're care paying about attention their And yeah. paying attention to the rider. Yeah. You know? mm, put mm. a weird request in. Because if you get that right, you've probably got all the, the actual stuff right. But I love that. But he's like, What? <laughs> Yeah, imagine I'll do this charity thing, but here's a ridiculous demand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Here's my rider, okay? These are the things I need. One, helicopter, blue. Yeah. Uh, amazingly, <laughs> everyone made it. Uh, I will say that David Bowie is wearing a blue suit at the gig, so maybe maybe he did want a blue. But amazingly, everyone made it to the show, including Princess Diana, who arrived at 11.30 a.m. Rest in peace. All the acts lining up to meet her. Like, they're all celebs, but they're all like, oh, my God, Princess Diana's one of the most famous people on the planet at this, at this time. It's wild that she came up independently at the start and then you've already mentioned her twice. Mm. She's just on our minds yeah, for some reason. talking about her a lot. Our TV presenter Paula Yates, who was also in a relationship with Geldof, had to stop at a petrol station on the way to Wembley because she remembered she hadn't got any flowers for the princess. Just as her daughter what? Fifi was about to hand over the flowers during the royal lineup. Uh, she realised that the price was on the very, very cheap flowers. <laughs> Here you go, Princess Diana. Oh. Got them for a, a pound. Oh, she's a princess. I imagine she she's, yeah, like, she's like, oh, I'm furious yeah, yeah, that yeah. these flowers are going to throw into a pile. Yeah, yeah me, <laughs> a princess who can get anything I want, <laughs> and you've given me $5. You spent on me. What a weird what a weird thing to go, all right, now you, my servants, or whatever what do you call normal people when there's a queen. Subjects. Subjects, subjects, my my subjects. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I've got a ridiculous amount of money, mm. uh, but I still do want gifts from yeah. you for some reason. Yeah, Surely yeah. she should be giving out yeah, the flowers. Right. Exactly. What She'd the be like, Thank fuck you is for wrong coming. with the system? This is why I'm like, death to the royals. Oh, okay, you know? it's good because normally I'm outnumbered by monarchists on this show. Motherfucking. Dave and Jess are very. Obviously. No, 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 no. All hail the Republic. To, uh, obviously, they were chosen by God to be there, <laughs> to lead the country That's into true. battle. They've got, that, they've got that special Our- blood, I know. Our country as well, though, Dave. Yeah, yeah all the countries. Honestly, <laughs> if everything was under the Queen, we'd all be a lot better off. <laughs> Nothing bad ever happened due to the monarchs. Exactly. Oh, I didn't realize that. That's yeah. that's, that's yeah, great. That is an amazing yeah, fact. Once, yeah, there you, once go. you realize, you can say why I think that. Once you realize, yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Once you realize that most wars were probably fought, you know, because of like a petty family squabble. Um, yeah, just the colors of the, the, like the royals in a bit of a different light, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. They're the beautiful yeah. people. Yeah, beautiful. Just beautiful. Like, always, always right. Always right. Always. And they deserve more than cheap flowers. <laughs> anyway. Um, now, Zambit, I've done Cinevo an episode. Flowers as well. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. 
I done an episode a year or two about wood a year or two ago about Woodstock, and some mm-hmm. people were offended when I didn't give too much time on their faves. Okay, uh, so I will say that yeah, I, the uh, the yeah the band yeah I offended, but them. that was because yeah well I think we didn't realize you said the band. We thought it was whatever you said before that, and then you were just <laughs> underlining the fact that they were a band. The band, like you said, something like uh, the string band, the band. Like oh yeah, Dave, we understood that. <laughs> Or a band. Oh, so it's a, oh, it's a band called the band. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But we didn't give them enough respect. Okay. But also, a few people were absolutely yelling at their iPods. And there were a couple of bands that I just sort of uh, skipped uh-huh. over. But I will say that I simply can't go through every set in in live because it goes for sixteen hours. But mm-hmm. I will go through the whole lineup so no one misses being mentioned. So hopefully everyone's happy with that. Some are still huge acts today. <laughs> okay. Others are eighties bands that now play at the Shopping Town Hotel. It's a real mix that's that's okay. fun. I know it's a fun game to see how many of these people I know. Yeah, I reckon not many. And also, how what does Dave think is still a huge band? Like you would count you two as still being a huge band, even though they don't yeah, pop charts anymore. Yeah, but like a band that everyone knows and yeah, the, still one sell out arenas. Yeah, or that's in huge like popular culture for yeah. for for decades to come. Uh, the whole thing kicked off at midday local time in Wembley. Seventy-two thousand people packed the stadium. They each paid £25 to get in, and then at home on TV and on the radio, the audience were encouraged to pledge via either calling a telephone line or by mailing in checks. Right. Really was a different time. Yeah. And kicking off the whole show with the aptly titled song, Rocking All Over the World, Status Quo. No idea. Well, you'd know them from the Coles ads, wouldn't you? Is that them? Yeah, but which song is it? They're the ones, uh, Prices Are Down. Oh, yeah. Down, oh, yeah. down. The Prices Are the Down. Coles ba- the Coles <laughs> Band. The Coles Band. Yeah, I know. The, the Coles the Band. Band. Like, Play the Coles song. <laughs> yeah, where's the big hand? I think all, all those Coles ads are their hits, but just with, you know, <laughs> love changes to prices yeah. or yeah. Or, <laughs> yeah, right. or instead of um, peace, they say supermarket shelves. Yeah, right. <laughs> Rocking all over the world, discounting all over the world. Yeah. In brackets, mostly the Australian market. So, but their song is "Rocking All Over the World," so it makes sense that they they kick it off. Then there's the Style Council. Oh, no I only vaguely remember. But that's, it's a great, great title. Yeah, what's their hit? Mm. Oh, mm. That's the thing. I don't have time to go through every one of their songs. <laughs> look, fair enough. Uh, I literally, do not look up every band, Matt. It will take too long. Dave, I'm telling you that the Style Council posse will come after us. No. <laughs> they call themselves a posse, not me. I, I would, I mean, they're not canceling the name. There is a list. Uh, they played You're the Best Thing, Big Boss Groove, Internationalists, and Walls Come Tumbling Down. I think I'm, I think I might know that one. I mean, look at that photo. That's a, yeah, they're a, a beautiful couple. It of looks boys. like he's dressed up as that iconic rock photo where he's wearing the mm. bum bag and the gold <laughs> chain. He's, oh, you know what's before his time? Uh, one of that's actually what's famous about this band is Paul Weller is one of the the, the duo. Do you know Paul oh, Weller? from the hair from the shampoo. No, no. The famous Weller, Weller, Weller. Ooh, no, that's all Just I got. A, he, he went solo after after the Star Council, and, Who? and it's, uh, he's called uh, the Mod Father. He really influenced the 90s uh, mod bands like Oasis and oh, Britpop. Wow. There you go. I thought the Beatles influenced Oasis. Oh, he was also in The Jam. No, they covered <laughs> the Beatles. The um, Jam? He was in The Jam, then Style oh. Cancel, then went solo. Oh, wow. So he's been around for ages. So he's a legend that we all should know. Yeah. Uh, people I mean. are furious that we don't. Yeah. <laughs> but so you can catch them Sweet. playing at the Shopping Town Hotel. Oh. Um, and then uh, there's the Boomtown Rats, Bob Geldof's own band. Which is pretty cool. Heard about them from before. Yes, they played yeah. I Don't Like Mondays. And, uh, yeah. 
Oh, actually, I can, now we know more of their songs. They played I Don't Like Mondays, Drag Me Down, and they encored with Rat Trap. Okay, yeah. Rat I thought Trap. They had a, such like a, a funny name for a how song. How come they got like an encore? I thought there was a very tight no, time. No, it wasn't encore. Yeah. Yeah. Like, they just did a long version of that song. Yeah. Right. Then there's Adam Ant, who, looking back, sounds a bit sour about only being mm-hmm. allowed to perform one song. <laughs> He played, <laughs> he played Vive La Rock. Okay. He's he's the guy with the one stripe across his face, yeah? Yeah, I think yeah, I that, think they're like, pretty good. Apparently Adam and the I thought they were just a funny um a novelty kind of, a joke of band. band. And they certainly were treated that way for this. Right, because yeah, apparently I know I know some of some bands that are like now have you know, when they've guested on radio shows and put a music list together, they've played Adam and the Ant songs that I've never heard of. So I think some people Some people rate them. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's also fucking subjective. This yes, sort of that's stuff, the thing. But Adam, looking back in the oral history, he's a bit sour. He said, initially I was asked to do four songs, and then I think what happened is big bands started to show interest. Queen, Bowie, and late in the day, through Harvey Goldsmith, the promoter, I was told, you're off the show, you're not doing it. <laughs> Fortunately, I was managed by Miles Copeland, who managed Sting, and who said, if you don't put Adam on, you're not going to have Sting. So I was allowed to play one song. Oh, that's that, – yeah, I, I don't like that too much. Yeah, but – But that, uh, is, that is classic getting bumped for a bigger – Yeah. yeah. Oh, there's a drop in. Chris Rock is <laughs> yeah, coming. But then Chris Rock has said, I'm not going on unless he goes on before me. <laughs> Love <laughs> All it. All right. Sting, someone says that to Sting. He said, no, no I'll go on either. <laughs> <laughs> Adam, Adam and the Adam Ant. who? <laughs> yeah. Huh? The Ant-Man. Hate him. Mm. Uh, then – one of the uh, crosses was Oz for Australia, Molly Meldrum. Really? Then introduced via satellite some highlights from the Oz for Africa concert that was held on the same day at the Sydney Entertainment Centre. So there was a whole gig on. Yeah, right. Oh, and, that's du- cool. and due to time zone differences, the Oz for Africa concert began 12 hours before the Wembley Stadium and was therefore technically the first Live Aid gig. Got him. Got him. Got him. Fucking got him. Basically, it was an Australian thing. Basically, yeah. well done, boys. The whole well thing. done. Bob Geldof is basically Australian. Jess yeah. loves yeah. a big international story that somehow references Australia. Yeah. She would have been so excited she would be by this. For this. <laughs> so, who, and uh, mid eighties in Australia, yeah, the band. It would have been like uh, oh. Brian Mannix and stuff like that. Well, so Channel Nine and Seven both played the whole concert in Australia, and mm-hmm. uh, some songs by In Excess were actually shown on BBC in the UK, but and uh, other songs by Men at Work. Little River Band and uh, and In Excess as well were shown on the United States on ABC. Oh, they're all they're all they all held up as like they're still pretty well known bands, I think. Yeah, they, so. they, they're all ones who sold overseas as well. I was really hoping they were going to throw up some just big local market bands. Well, the ones that didn't make it, uh, so that we had Mental as Anything, uh-huh. uh, cool. Machinations, The Models, Do Re Mi, Electric Pandas, Dragon. They're a big Dragon, local band. Yeah. Uh, then Don't go men- out in the rain. <laughs> Don't go. Which they played as well as Are <laughs> You Old Enough? Creepy. That's, that is a creepy tune. <laughs> uh, Aussie Crawl, Australian Crawl. Oh, yeah. Party Girls and the Uncanny X-Men did play. That is oh, Brian Maddox's yeah. band. I would have, I mean, uh, yeah, I reckon I know two-thirds of those. That would have been a great and in, in excess headlined. Where, 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 no, no, when, when did Farnham become a, like an Australian icon? Well, he played he was an icon Ru- as a team. And he was in the Little River Band for a while. He was, so playing he, a win. Where was he? But he well, let me see if he was in at the time. He yeah. might he might have been. It was sort of in that mid eighties period. Yeah. But he, he he went solo again and had uh in I think it was like eighty six maybe was when he had the uh, album with your other voice. 
Uh, that would have been great for what like was it? yeah, <sighs> big crowd sing along tune. Yeah, what was that album called? Whispering Jack. You're not going to believe it. it. What a name for an album. <laughs> John Farnham in the band from '82 to '86. So he, he would have been there. Oh, love it. Farnsey played uh, love it. Did they play "Plan to Win"? Guitar. <laughs> <laughs> Let me. I can uh, bring up their set. <laughs> <laughs> They, their final song was playing to win. Fantastic. It's all coming up. All right, new time time machine destination for me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go to Live Aid. Oh, awesome. What, London or Philadelphia? Oh, Australia. no, Sydney. Yeah. Sydney. <laughs> That's the best. I'd love it if you did that. <laughs> like the person operating the time machine's got Live Aid ready to go because so many people choose it. You go, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, no, no. no, 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 no Does no, that no. say Wembley? What no, the hell no. is that? Why would I want to go there? Yeah, you misspelled Sydney Entertainment Centre. Did you know, like like 12 hours before this garbage, <laughs> yeah. but in Sydney? <laughs> maybe if they let Adam and the Ants play more, <laughs> one or two more tunes. But one maybe. track. Yeah. Uh, then it was uh, Ultravox, Midge Ur's band. Then uh, Spandau Ballet. No idea. Elvis Costello. No, that one. There you go. Got that's, one. That's Great. a name I know. Is that because you're thinking of Elvis Presley? No, 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 no. He's like a, he's got glasses. Yeah, he yeah. wears a hat. That's right. Yes. All of his arm. What did he play? He's he's one of those you. guys who could play a, a long set. He looks like a failed songs. uncle, right? No, he looks like a successful uncle. Yeah. I he actually had an extremely short set. He played the Beatles cover "All You Need Is Love" for three three minutes. That's all he did. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Apparently, he got his name because he when he he went to some little punkish kind of record label was going to sign him, and they sign him and they go. But by the way, your name is now Elvis Costello. His name, his real name's like <laughs> something quite plain, I guess. He's like, all right. <laughs> and he just said, yeah. yeah, all right. And they went, oh, we were joking. <laughs> Your name is Elvis <laughs> Costello. Oh, okay. She's like, yes, this is what record labels do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I, yeah, I'm just stoked to sign. Early on, so people, like big bands end up mm. having these long, awful what? contracts because mm. they, you know, they just want to just want to make it. I love the absolute opposite of that, and this takes real confidence. Uh, the White Stripes early on, uh, a record label wanted to sign them. But uh, Jack White said no because the logo of the record label was green and he didn't want to put it on the back of his album. Yeah, that's amazing. He just wanted red, white and black, which is their colours, and they wouldn't change the colour and he went, oh, I don't want to do it then. Yeah, that's like an extreme version. (laughs) Sylvester Stallone was sort of similar with Rocky. He was like – he had all these um, um, film companies who were interested in the script, but – he insisted on starring, and they're like, "No, we'd love to get." But and he held out, and he held out, and they ended, ended up caving. Love you yeah. if you're that confident. Yeah. Which is, uh, I'm still waiting for Warner Brothers to get back to me. I'm actually going to be in my own action movie. Mm. They said they'd pay me nine million for the script. I said, "Not unless I'm in it." <laughs> so. Now hold on, Al. So, that's good. Elvis Costello's real name, Declan McManus. Not bad. That's a good not. name. Deck yeah. McManus. That yeah. sounds like a uh, boy boy band member, though. Yeah. Not in, not in a punk record. Rock a label, but like some like look, he does look, look at this picture here. He's got a picture with uh, Mary Louise, Mary Louise Parker. He looks like an uncle that like is he's, he's he's pretending he's doing well. <laughs> you <laughs> you have a look? Yeah, look. If oh, you yeah. met him at like a family do, and he's like, "I'm doing really well," and I'm like, oh, "I'm <laughs> sure he telling you that." I'm sure you are, Elvis Uncle Elvis. Yeah. Elvis. I'm, I'm sure honestly, you are, I'm doing, Uncle Elvis. I'm doing very well. With seven beers in. It's like, hey, kid. 
Can I borrow 20 bucks? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, here's the uncle that's hitting me up for a 20. Anyone, yeah. any uncle who's going around to his nieces and nephews going, well, I'm doing really no, well. You, you, I know, I know, what, you, I know, what, you, you know right. what your dad said about me. All right, Uncle Declan, I didn't ask. And also, I will not call you Uncle yeah. Elvis. Uncle Dex, I get it, I get it. <laughs> I'm doing really, really well. Also, yeah, of course, mate. Come to course. my record. I've got gold records yeah, all over sure the walls. Yeah, sure you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, yes, yeah. you can sleep on my couch tonight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Play, what, what, probably I don't need a again? couch. I've got quite a big house. Yeah, mate, honestly, yeah, don't yeah. be too proud. I've heard about you, Uncle. I've, I've heard about you. That dinner, they gave him one song exactly. and it was I a heard cover. He yeah. goes, don't you know I played a live ad? And you go, yeah, yeah but it was yeah. one song and a cover. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. At least you're like, really doing at, that well. At least Adam and got his own <laughs> yeah. song. He did his own fucking song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So are you really doing well? You're just <laughs> pretending you're someone else. Mm? Mm? <laughs> Adam Ant is also your, your uncle. Walking around in full costume. I'm doing really well. <laughs> yeah, we know you're doing great, mate. Yeah, like Adam's doing great. Yeah. Elvis, have Elvis. You met, Elvis, have you met Come Adam? <laughs> Oh, he makes you get a gimmick. He dresses up like an ant. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I you, guess. And you, so, here's you. Is that what you reckon? A bit of face paint. I think he's trying to dress up as an ant. Isn't it? Yeah. And here's you, Mr. Elvis, you know, just shunning our family name. <laughs> yeah. Piece of shit. The McManuses were a proud clan. <laughs> and here you are. Elvis. Elvis. <laughs> All right, so I'll go through the lineup separately, but it was yeah. at this point you got to imagine that the Philadelphia concert kicked off, yeah. and from then on it went one band in one city, then the other, and they'd broadcast live in the stadium the, the footage. Oh, that's cool. So yeah. that way there's always something to watch. Uh, then there was Nick Kershaw. This, we're still at Wembley. I like to know you. I like to sing you know me well. So I only know Nick Kershaw because Tony Martin will sing like little bits of his songs on his radio show sometimes. Oh, okay. I like to think I know you well. I don't know if that's the lyrics or not. But I've never heard him act- an actual song by him, he's but I've only ever heard Tony Martin's version of Nick Kershaw. His opening song was called Wide Boy. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely classic. That's great. I think, I don't know this for sure, but I picture him as like skinny leather ties, sort of mm. that kind of age. His closing song is called Wouldn't It Be Good? Wouldn't It Be Good? Yeah, I think that's one of the ones that Tony right. Martin Sounds like, a bit like reference. He's like, Trying to rip off the Beach Boys, but mm. then change them. Wouldn't it be good <laughs> <laughs> if we had a wide boy, <laughs> wide boy, wide boy. boy pointing to someone in the crowd? Oh, piss off! <laughs> piss off, Nick! Wide boy at a at a at a charity concert for people who who were starving. Oh, no, Nick, what were you thinking? Yeah, like, <laughs> poor taste, mate. Just a little bit. Um, hmm. Wide boy. Wide boy. That's one of the funniest song titles I've <laughs> ever heard. Really funny stuff. <laughs> Great work, Nick. <laughs> Probably a masterpiece. People yeah. are furious. Yeah. Yeah. Kershaw yeah. heads are at home going, what? They're making they, fun of Wide Boy? Are they <laughs> mocking the seminal classic <laughs> Wide Boy? I mean, you, I'm going to look it up on Spotify. It's probably got like 100 million plays or something. <laughs> Nick Wide Kershaw. Boy. Is it one of his big hits? Uh, it's not there, but... Uh, his most played song is called The Riddle, then Wouldn't It Be Good, then I Won't Let The Sun Go Down On, and then Wouldn't It Be Good re-recorded, and then I Won't Let The Sun Go Down On re-recorded. No no <laughs> sign of wide boy. Or uh, I'd like to know you well, <laughs> or something like that. No, it's mostly uh, remixes of Wouldn't It Be Good. <laughs> Obviously his big hit. Oh, he's, I found it. It's... Uh... 
Wouldn't it be good is the one with the lyric. <laughs> like to get, I'd like to get to know you well, I think. Why are we getting sidetracked by this? I know, sorry. The, the last <laughs> lyrics of Wide Boy, it's, I'm here to tell you that you ain't no Superman, <laughs> you just a wide boy. <laughs> <laughs> the poet, Nick Kershaw. <laughs> That's really funny. Wide boy. <laughs> I found on Spotify it has had two million plays. So okay, okay. Great work. Wide boy. Wide boy. Yeah. All right. People seem to be digging it. Must be a good song. Yeah, people loving it. <laughs> what? Boy. I know. Oh, I love to post and listen to it. Mm-hmm. Right, so that's Nick Kershaw. Then BB King uh, beamed in to do a, a set from a jazz festival in the Netherlands, which is pretty cool. Okay, okay. heard of him. Yep, cool, cool, cool. Then cool, cool. Uh, the singer Sade. Nah. Big at the time and uh, had Shad- a very uh, acclaimed set. She, what was her? What was her big song? She absolutely killed it. She played. Why can't we live together? Is it a crime? Your love is king. Her three songs. Uh, I think she had one really big song, and I didn't recognize any of those. Yeah, 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 yeah. I have no idea who this person is. Then you're gonna know. Hopefully, you probably recognize these names, but I fingers crossed. Then Sting and Phil Collins performed a medley of their songs ah, yes, together. Sting, yep, I know Sting from um, the Dune film. He was very good in. Oh, oh yeah. my god, one what of the worst outfit. films I've ever seen. What? Do you like that movie? Like, yeah, but not for good reasons. Oh, okay. <laughs> I tried to watch it as a good... Maybe I've got to re- reassess my watch. Yeah. I definitely know Wouldn't It Be Good. I'm just looking at the lyrics. I know that song for sure. Right, but you Wouldn't don't know... Wouldn't it be good to be on your side? But you don't know Grass White Boy. Is always green or road. I know that song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wouldn't it be good? Apologies for the singing. <clears throat> uh, can I ask which of the nine versions on Spotify that was? <laughs> He's definitely, if he's still getting around, he's he's starting and finishing his sets with that. Starting and finishing. Yeah. Hey, guys, in case you got here a little late, here it is. Wouldn't it be good? Wouldn't it be good if you're on time? All right. One, two, three, four. Uh, Sting and Phil Collins performed together. I don't know if you heard that bit, Matt. So that's yes. pretty cool. A medley, one of their songs, then the other. Then Phil Collins left Wembley via a helicopter just before four oh o'clock. Oh, God. Flew to Heathrow, where he connected with a waiting Concorde plane oh, to man. fly him to the USA, where he would perform at the other event as well. Isn't that great to spend so much money on fuel and stuff for a charity <laughs> event? <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey! At the time, we weren't we weren't worried about global warming. We Can we use this Concorde flight to to send some food over? No, no, we're going to send Phil across the. <laughs> Sorry, we thought you said send Phil over. We thought you needed Phil. <laughs> And here it is. He's playing to them. They're like, one, we've never heard of you. Two, what the fuck? It is just a little ridiculous because, like, a lot of these, like, bands and, like, performers would be be paid astronomical amounts that they could kind of do a lot with what they have, right? And so it comes down, like, you know, personal responsibilities. But it's just like, no, 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 no. Just, like, the ego to be like, I am going to perform in Wembley and then get on a fucking plane. A helicopter first. A helicopter first. Blue, blue, blue interior. internally. And then <laughs> on the fucking Concorde and then perform in America and that's going to be sick. I'm, I am doing so. It's like just like the, the cognitive dissonance yeah. that you must have for any of this to be like, this isn't going to be I a sick like idea. I feel like to be super rich, you must have some cognitive dissonance going on, right? Yeah. To not be going like, I probably should I can do a lot share a bit here. of this around. I reckon I could probably fix some problems. <laughs> Also, Maybe, but like not being like directly involved. Just if I throw a money at it, 
But you got to remember, it's the 80s. Everything's big. Hair, That's true. shoulder pads, and yep. egos are flying oh, at an all-time huge, high. Huge. Great is good. That's the 80s. Yeah. I think, yeah, the, the, the whole mindset, they didn't. Mm. Although people were already talking about some things that were happening negatively, yeah, yeah. right? And, and people actually yeah. also talk about how some people <clears throat> say that this saved the decade of the 80s because it oh, actually wow. made people think about because it was all about greed and all that sort of stuff. Okay. So it was like, this is a good idea. Because, <laughs> you know, I mean, 1.9 billion people watched it. That's something. Did anyone get pissy at um, Phil Collins for, like, going and getting on, on the Concord, being like, why didn't I do that? Why wasn't I invited? Why was, why, where was my Concord? Uh, uh, hello. Hey, uh, look, I know. Like, surely Sting would have been like, oh. oh. Oh, okay. He gets to go on is the. Is there another seat? I wonder, if, wouldn't you be like, glad I didn't have to. <laughs> I could get my set out in one hit. <laughs> yeah, honestly, it's That's a kind big, of brutal. It's a lot, and you yeah. and you hear Phil does a lot during the day. I'll, I'll talk about that. Uh, but I, he, I, should, I need it because people will be yelling at their iPods. Me going on about that, like to get to know you well, being a Nick Kershaw song it was actually a Howard Jones song. Another guy that I don't really know. <laughs> but Tony Martin, he he, he mentions those two yeah. acts. Oh, okay. That's what connects them in my head. Right. Well, next time if you just quote Wide Boy, it would be much mm. happier. Honestly, Dave, you, you sure you don't have time to edit this one tonight? <laughs> <laughs> hey, every, every you've clarified gold. everything. People have hit the tweet, replied to the tweet saying, sorry, you just realised it was Howard Jones. <laughs> <laughs> I know a lot of our listeners will be big Howard Jones oh, heads. Oh, be Howie heads. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Phil Collins, so he just got, he gets on the Concord. He later remembered all the baggage handlers came out to wave goodbye. Then we took off in the Concord. Cher was on the flight. Okay. Just heading back to the States. And I'd never met her before, so I went over and said hello. You know, hi, I bought I got you, babe. That's what he told Cher. She's like, what the hell? And she asked what was going on. I told her about Live Aid and she asked whether she could get on. I told her to just turn up. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> So 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 it went from being like okay you if you are, you are coming you have a certain amount of fucking time and yeah, don't you fuck around or you are cut to like yeah just come on but he's getting his out like fuck he's got no control Bob. of this is it this isn't no, Bob this is, this is Phil yeah Phil, I know he's Phil's like, just invite yeah. he's saying to the pilot hey I reckon you could drop by yeah <laughs> drop by so yeah like, like Geldof is there being like we've got this accent sure pops up he's yeah. like. What the My fuck? Like, is he's this? probably also like, I guess it's Cher. She's pretty big. It right? feels like a good problem to have, but I think that sort of things make for a better story, right? Yeah. That Cher's just doing a drop in. Yeah. Just whatever. imagine, you know, the the belief of being like, oh, this is an all star festival. Yeah, bump one of them for me. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> I was has, in the neighborhood. Has uh, Adam Ant played yet? Get him off. Because <laughs> 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 Adam Ant. Yeah, that's yeah, why yeah. he wears the megas to mm. cover the tears. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, the perfect time to bump Adam Ant would be directly after Sting performs. <laughs> yes. Because he's got no leverage. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah, the manager's like, we've already got Sting again. <laughs> <laughs> Bumped for sure. Oh, poor Adam. Yeah, in the, in the deal. All right, but Adam has to go on before Sting. I know what you, you like. Get off, you dog. Uh, Brian Ferry, who was bullied into playing, uh, yep. got on. So Brian Ferry from Roxy Music. He said, I have terrible memories of it all going wrong. I'd put together an all-star band and the set was fraught, fraught with problems. We had David Gilmore from Pink Floyd on guitar, and poor David, his guitar wasn't working for the first couple of songs. Oh, jeez. <laughs> with his first hit, the drummer put his stick through the drum skin. 
And then my microphone wasn't working, which for a singer is a bit of a handicap. A little bit. Yeah, well, no more than the guitarist's guitar isn't working. <laughs> so the, there's no guitar, there's no vocals, there's no drums. The bass player, it's my time to shine. <laughs> He's carrying that band. Oh, my God. Brian said, a roadie ran on, ran, ran on with another mic. So then I was holding two mics taped together, and I wasn't really sure which one to sing into. It was a great day, though. <laughs> <laughs> He's got fond memories. Fond memories. That's, that's memories. kind of nice. It's like, it's like like pairing a fuck up but with a good thing. So it's yeah. like it stays in his mind a lot. A positive like fuck up. Because, yeah, yeah. The, the, the other stories, or the, the Led Zeppelin one, I believe, none of them remember it fondly. If I'm thinking of the right thing. You are absolutely thinking of the right thing. And you know what? I've just gone back to the set list to have a look at what Brian Ferry played. And you're never going to believe this. But after Sting and Phil Collins before Brian Ferry, I missed one band. And that is a certain Howard Jones. Oh, no kidding. <laughs> oh, there you go. When I was copying over the set list, I missed him. He played Hide and Seek. Is that the song? No. Oh, I think it's called uh, I'd Like to Get to Know You Well. Oh, I'd Like they, to Get to Know You Well. They let him play one song so that Howard Jones was on the lineup. That's amazing. Oh, yeah. There you go. <laughs> I just missed it. Thank goodness because people would be furious. Mm. Jeez, um, yeah, I think I'm going to try and listen to – there must be Spotify Spotify, mm. and other playlists. Oh, I've been have, smashing it all week. It's awesome. Yeah, great. So, so you would have heard some Howard Jones then. Mm. And so you would have probably heard Wide Boy. <laughs> no, to be honest, some of the acts I really skipped through there. So it goes for 16 hours. Uh, so Brian Ferry, then Paul Young, then U2 played an acclaim set that showed that they were future stadium superstars. They were four albums in and on the rise, but they'd only had one top 40 single in the US at this point. Oh, interesting. Which was Pride in the Name of Love. Rolling Stone later wrote that the 12 minutes at Live Live Aid really made their career, referring to their 12-minute version of their second and final song they played, a track called Bad. They did a 12-minute version of a song. Yeah. And how how long did they have to play? (laughs) About 15 minutes. Okay. Was Galdorf furious? Or was he just like, is this like late, like far enough into the concert that he's probably given up? No, it's not even halfway through. Don't so. worry, Bob. We're only going to play two songs. <laughs> well, they were supposed to play three. So they played Sunday, Bloody Sunday, which was a hit mm-hmm. in the, in mm-hmm. the, in Sunday, Europe. Bloody Sunday. I don't like Mondays. So <laughs> Bob's this, like, what's uh, with Irish musicians and <laughs> yeah. days of the week? I was like, uh, I don't know about this. I kind of did the days of the week thing. <laughs> Craig David comes on. He's fucking furious. <laughs> So uh, so they were meant to play their big hit, Pride in the Name of Love, but Bono went AWOL and went into the crowd during their 12-minute oh, yes. version of Bad. Yes. He wanted to bring three girls onto the stage to dance. Classic Bono. And it, uh, it took so long they had to cut their final track. And the band and the crowd can't see what's going on, so you can literally see the band looking at each other like, ding, 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 ding. You know, that classic riff. And this is the set that made their career. Yeah, yeah. Because holding time, just playing for time. Because he's a rebel. He's going to the crowd. He's grabbing women. The microphone, uh, sorry, not the microphone, the TV camera captured it all. So at home, everyone seeing this great Mm. moment. He goes in and it takes a while for security to let the girls out of the crowd mm-hmm. and he's going to come up and he dances with them. But Bono had this big idea to create a TV moment, which he did. So it was, it was a massive thing at home. But the band actually left the stage because they had to cut It's a l- different time, right? Yeah. Mm. A big TV moment back then was a mulleted Irishman mm. getting into the crowd and just bringing a few people out. A few yeah. people out, whoa, kissing, whoa, kissing them the on the cheek. The edge goes ding 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 uh, the band. That's a TV moment. So, yeah. Everyone was glued to their screens. <laughs> yeah. Is he going to get them yeah. over the barrier onto the stage? Or oh, can't wait to find out. Will they fall over? 
Yeah, I think the only TV moment I can think of really that may you know like more modern is like Justin Timberlake you know grabbing uh, Janet Jackson's titty yeah. out. Yeah, like yeah. that's like that's a TV like a that, terrible TV moment. It's like oh you you fucking up. Well, you, you remember that moment? But you remember that's it. a TV moment. In the eighties, yeah. people remember the time Bono <laughs> got some girls out of the crowd. Yeah, and mm. that, so the band actually left the stage thinking that the set was a bit of a mess because they had to cut their whole last well, song. Yeah. Like, yeah. But later heard that they were named by many as as a highlight of the day, and with so many people watching, it really cemented their status as like rising superstars. So it was, because it was he grabbed massive for you two. People remember like, oh yeah, Bono. Oh, and I will say, if you watch the the set when they are performing, they are mm. really good. Okay. Yeah, right. yeah. I, I imagine the to do that better, they should have that long version should have been their hit, you know. And then and then <laughs> they get the people up on stage, and he. Sings the big because that is one of those big arena on um, all their hits of big arena songs, but mm. you know, it's in the name of love, all that sort of stuff. That would yeah. have been pretty sick after that build up, the tension build up, and then the big chorus that no one's heard before. <laughs> ding, 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 bad, we're bad, <laughs> yeah, bad. but it's apparently a staple of their live set. But oh, the right. song Bad, so Maybe. still is. So, what is it a song we'd know? I didn't know it, bef- but I really I thought it was awesome. Right. If you watch it. They sound good. They said they were one of the better and sounding you know, bands. You used to hate you two, so you can got converted uh, by this TV moment. That's right. I oh, no, I didn't hate you two. <laughs> that's okay. You can hate you two. No, I, I don't have much care for you two. That's my right. thing. I don't love or hate them. Yeah, I'm very YouTube neutral. But some, but yeah. some of their songs, are like Sunday Bloody Sunday yeah. and uh, One, is a great song. Mm. Love that song. I think yeah, they got a lot of great songs. I think yeah, yeah. but yeah, definitely don't hate them. Yeah, I, I would. But the TV moment, I would say I don't love more hate them. I know Ireland hates them. Mm. Yeah, we, or at least hates Bono. We found we, that out. Yeah, we uh, we did that a live. Uh, uh, we did uh, Bono and you two as a topic. Yeah, right. Uh, live in Dublin, and, and they did not. They booed. It. it was fun. Okay, because they hated it so much. For a while, we thought they were saying boo no, <laughs> boo, <laughs> boo no, no. Yeah. boo. Are you saying boo no or Bono? <laughs> I was saying boo no. <laughs> uh, then Dire Straits performed with Sting, who sings "I Want My MTV." On, or I want my TV on Money for Nothing. You know that song? Yeah. I didn't never realize I was Sting singing that. Yeah. Bit. And then he did it live, which is super cool. We did an episode about that album on uh, on Listen Now. Oh, your spinoff podcast about uh, you were going through the eighties at the time. Is that right? Yeah. We're we're still we're counting down the as voted by the listeners the top twenty albums of the eighties. I think we're at eleven or twelve albums in. And then COVID. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So we... That pesky COVID keeps fucking things, you know? Do go on. We find ways to get it done every mm. week, no matter what. But listen now, we have a different... Uh, <laughs> different approach. <laughs> different, yeah, that's right. Different ethos. Yeah. But the harder, because we play clips of the songs, it's just harder to do it remotely. Mm. I try to start cutting them in, and it was a nightmare. So I'm like, we'll, do, we'll wait this out. We'll this wait. Point. How long could this yeah. take? And sure. every time we schedule in a session in the studio, it was just like guaranteed to call a lockdown. Point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we asked you to kindly stop scheduling. <laughs> stop jinxing. Yeah. Listen now, it's cursed. The cursed <laughs> podcast. Uh, then when you think of a band at Live Aid, there's generally one band set that comes to mind. A band that just absolutely knocked it out of the park or stadium, mm-hmm. if you will. Mm-hmm. Do you know who I'm talking about? Nick Kershaw. Nick, <laughs> fantastic. The Nick the Kershaw, Kershaw featuring Howard Jones. Yeah. <laughs> I am, of course, talking about Queen. Yes. Uh, they were introduced by comedians uh, Griff Reese Jones and Mel Smith, dressed as police officers addressing the crowd. They say, we've had a bit of a complaint about the noise. 
from a woman in Belgium, which is very funny. Of <laughs> that loud, uh, anyway. That makes it loud. Yeah, Belgium's a quite a while away. That's a long way away. Is this distance far? And a woman. That's that's yeah, funny. Yeah. Because they're not they're not and normally then, ones who are complaint. So that yeah. heightens the the sort of the comedy there, doesn't it? They do. Like, and they then got they a bit of stand up to like just fill in the time <laughs> between acts. It's good. It's good. We're going to have to do the rest of the day quietly, <laughs> unplugged. <laughs> unplugged. <laughs> you will hear nothing here, but at home they will hear it. Um, so they do a, a medley of hits, uh, which a lot of people have said was absolutely genius. Yes. They didn't just play like so – most bands played their three five-minute songs, but they just went, all right, we're going to play – That's clever. A, a medley. But you, so, you two, the other supposedly iconic set from what you're saying from the day, yep. went the opposite direction. No, they did a They played an <laughs> album track and stretched it to 12 minutes. So honestly, yeah. So do it one way or the other. Don't just play songs as they are. Yeah. Uh, so they, this is their set they played. Bohemian Rhapsody, just a two-minute 20 version. Then Radio Gaga. They played the build-up to Bohemian Rhapsody and they never <laughs> rocked oh, out of the yeah, end. Yeah, that's true. They never the crowd. The, they yeah. edged them. Good on them. <laughs> they edged that Normally crowd. that's a Sting thing, but yeah. uh, <laughs> Queen did it this time. <laughs> Sting takes 16 hours. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, hey, Sting, you free for this? It's a six-hour concert. Oh, yeah, I can do that. Just me, yeah? <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. No other bands are going oh. to be playing. Okay, well, can I, I feature know. on the Phil Collins no. and the Dire Straits tracks? I don't know why you... Uh, then Queen played Radio Gaga. Then they did the audience participation when Freddie does that. Oh, which is so fucking cool. That's such a great moment, and people remember that. Then they played Hammer to Fall. They did Crazy Little Thing Called Love. Crazy Little Thing Called Love. Then they played We Will Rock You for just for a minute. And then they finished with We Are the Champions, which is awesome. Uh, I, no uh, fat bottom girls. No. I, do, I do can't believe the, it. Didn't make the cut. The song was actually called We Will Rock You in brackets, like parentheses, for a minute. I think that would be a nice song title. <laughs> we Will Rock You for exactly for one. For a minute. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I recommend going and watching the set if you haven't seen mm. it before. It's awesome. Uh, Freddie Mercury had the crowd eating out of his hand, and uh, that note hey, oh, during the acapella section uh, came to be known as the note heard around the world. That's what the media called it. Yeah, that's certainly what a woman in Belgium media. said. Yeah. Hey, oh, shut up. <laughs> shut up. <laughs> shut up. <laughs> the note heard around the world. It's Is it good or is it awful? Nah, it's awful. No, I, I love it. I feel like I you're the angel sitting on one shoulder, Zamets on the Ooh. other shoulder. Yeah, nah. I'm like, nope. nah. Like, media, think of something better. You know, I don't know, I don't know what you could, but really, <laughs> the note heard around the world. The note. It's, the air heard around the world. <laughs> the vocalization heard around the world. Ugh. Uh, Midge, uh, one of mm. the Geeks organizers, said they took the 18 minute slot because everyone had about the same amount of time and they did a greatest hits review in 18 minutes. People sat there thinking, my God, I'd forgotten about this one. Oh, and this one. Oh, and this one. Oh, this one's killer too. It was just overkill. He's like, in Ultravox, we didn't have that many hits. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you get into like minute 16. Not too much. This is too good. I'm having too good a time. <laughs> He just hits the revolve button. Oh, whoops. Because well, they really, like they didn't play a lot of their big hits. <laughs> That's the thing. They could have played like 10 more hits. Yeah. yeah. Massive hits. Uh, Bob Geldof later said, Queen were absolutely the best band of the day. They played the best, had the best sound, used their time to the mm-hmm. full. They just understood the idea exactly, that it was a global jukebox. 
They just went and smashed one hit after another. It was the perfect stage for Freddy, the whole world. And he could ponce about on stage doing We Are The Champions. How perfect could it get? And that is so, like, beautifully, like, self-deprecating. Because he is including himself in that list of, like, the best bands on that day. He didn't be like, it was after me, after us. Obviously. Like, this this Monday song. Yeah, that's right. No, well, I'm I'm liking Bobby Geldof. Queen knew their place. They didn't sing about Days of the Week, because that's our thing. (laughs) And I mean Irish people. Uh, Live Aid was the first gig that Freddie's long-term lover, Jim Hutton, attended. Imagine that being the first time you see your partner doing his thing and you're like, holy shit, you're good at this. <laughs> yeah. You, oh, my God. I hadn't I hadn't yeah. checked you out yet. I thought you did, like, covers at the pub or something. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. He did covers at the pub, like? you know, like Elvis yeah. Costello does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he later wrote in his memoir, this is Jim Hutton, his book's called Freddie and Me. He wrote, when he came off, he rushed to his trailer and totted, and I totted behind him like a puppy. His first words were, thank God, that's over. <laughs> <laughs> that's not, uh, nice to know he could enjoy the moment. <laughs> mm, mm. Adrenaline still overflowing. Freddie knocked back a large vodka to calm himself. Then his face lit up. As we stepped out of the caravan, we met a grinning Elton John. He said, you bastards. <laughs> you killed it. I love it. That's so good because uh, Elton's coming up soon. Like, yeah. how do I top that? It's amazing to think that someone like Elton John's going, yeah. I can't follow that. Shit. Uh, Queen set has. I get, you can picture what he was wearing. Mm. I don't know what he actually wore, but I'm picturing him in huge sunglasses, oh, yeah. you know, those huge glasses and a big hat. <laughs> he's going, you bastards. You bastards. Oh no! What he's he's wearing that tight white singlet yeah, with a black yeah. armband and a mustache. <laughs> Come on! I don't have time to change. This is embarrassing. That's why he puts on a big hat and glasses yeah. to cover it. Yeah, cover it up. What have we got on hand? <laughs> Bobby's like, I can lend you some stuff. That's how I found my look. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing with these English accents. <laughs> I'd have to say it because no one would know that that's what I was trying to yeah, do. That was English, was it? <laughs> Barely sound like the language, let alone the accent. Uh, Queen said at Live Aid has been consistently voted as one of the greatest, if not the greatest and most iconic live performance at a festival or a gig. Consistently up there. People absolutely love it. And you watch it, it's really, really good. Uh, incredibly hard set to follow and honestly, few could do it other than Mr. David Bowie who kicked off his set with a pre-recorded video of him and Mick okay. Jagger doing Dancing in the Streets. Yes, right. That Was was that recorded for this? I'm not sure if it's recorded for this. I've definitely said that. It's a famous video, isn't it? Because yeah. I saw it. I think Bob Geldof maybe organised this. It was for a charity. You'd and, hope uh, it was. Yeah. Well, <laughs> like, you, yeah, unless he's just like, I'm, I made a video. The, <laughs> everyone yeah, watched. Everyone watched. You kind of want it to I be made. I, th- I think, I don't know if it was, I'm guessing it was. I didn't know it was played there, but I... I remember hearing the story that they they were asked to put something together. Mm. I think maybe it was Bob Geldof asked them to put something together, and it might have been Bob telling the story. Sorry to relay another butchered <laughs> anecdote, but then well, you know, you know what this is going right about right? yeah, okay. and he, he's like, two days later, I asked them to if they could put something together. Two days later, they handed me the tape. They'd gone out and just um, made the clip mm. over that weekend, recorded the song. This classic Motown, as you know, it was a cover of a classic song. Was it Motown? Dancing in the Street originally? Yeah, whatever. But um, yes, it's uh, originally uh, it's written by Marvin Gaye. So it was put together really quickly, and they just like slapped it together, just clearly having fun. It's great. It is a great clip, mm. and it's almost it became one of the your 
iconic version. Oh, of that you're song. absolutely right. So the original plan was to form a track together live with Bowie at Wembley Stadium and Jagger at JFK in Philadelphia. Until it was realised that a satellite link would cause half a second delay, it would be impossible unless one of them mimed their contribution and they refused to do that. That's so fair. they came up with this video. That's yeah, really, cool. really cool. And you're right, they just smashed it together. Oh, that's really Rough interesting. Rough mix of the track was completed in just four hours. Love it. Yeah, I think that's so fun. Hey, you you probably have both seen that. I love that clip of the, uh, they've taken oh, yeah, the they, music out. It's just sort sound. of like the shoe sound yeah, and then breathing. <laughs> that's so great. That's very good. <laughs> love it. I do love you. Yeah, any kind of, um, anytime you get like a music video or something like that, they're just like, yeah, let's just strip the music and like, what's the actual sounds happening? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, and Mick just going. <laughs> just <laughs> strutting around in classic Mick Jagger style. Fuck, he's so funny. Uh, so that that kicked off Bowie's set, and then he finished with a six and a half minute version of Heroes. Awesome stuff. He then introduced a video from CBC uh, television footage from Ethiopia of starving people. He'd seen the footage earlier in the week and insisted it be shown in the show and even offered to give up part of his set if it meant it could run. And after it played, the charity pledges greatly increased. People at home are like, oh, yeah, this is more than just a show. Yeah, I'm like supposed to be giving. Remembering why. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. I just yeah. thought I was watching a cool thing. Yeah. Uh, then The Who played. Who? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for it. Uh, Roger. Uh, well, that, that shows, doesn't that show a maturity for me and Zamet? I mean, I'd, I'll do bad stuff. You'll do. Sometimes, but I, even I drew a line there. You'll do the band, but not The Who. <laughs> Uh, I genu- when, <laughs> that was genuine. That was a genuine. But yeah, the, the Who. Yeah, that's. Uh... Uh, Roger Dolce from the Who said, "At the time, we weren't actually a going band. We'd broken up, so we were kind of at a poor level. That was a bit of a weird, weird, weird show for us. Right, three weirds. Uh, then Elton John came on, introduced by Billy Connolly. How cool is that? Uh, 32 minutes, Elton had the longest set of the day. 32 minutes. Yeah, wow. But it's uh, hard to blame him. He played uh, I'm Still Standing, then Benny and the Jets, then Rocket Man, then Don't Go Breaking My Heart, and he brought out Kiki D to do the duet. Then he did Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me with Michael, uh, George Michael and Andrew Ridgely from Wham. So good. Which is cool. Because I, I, that song I, I remember as a kid, uh, George Michael had a hit with it, and it was like a live, the clip, that would be played on Saturday mornings or whatever. It's a live version, and then he'd get to the, you know the two thirds of the way through the song, and then he'd say, "Ladies and gentlemen, Mister Elton John." And Elton <laughs> John comes out and sings a verse. I always thought it was George Michael's song, but yeah, it's the reverse of that. Yes, and it, it's so funny that George Michael just inverted a thing that had already happened, where and he was the special guest on a, and he was massive at the time. Great Wham, Wham were huge, but. Even if you watch uh, a bunch of, if you watch the footage, there's people like holding up Wham posters and stuff. So I'm wondering if they were disappointed that Wham didn't get, <laughs> get a full set. Uh, then he played a another cover of a Motown song originally performed by Marvin Gaye, Can I Get a Witness? And that finished Alan John's 32 minutes. Then Freddie and Brian May from Queen came back on and did an encore and performed Is This the World Recreated? Right. Was that a planned encore or is it just because their set went so well? And I think it was planned, but. Um, Brian later said, because that that's already one of their songs, but he later said, playing it, it was like we'd written it for live aid. Right. It felt so perfect. And then the final solo act of the day at Wembley is a man that's pretty hard to follow, Paul McCartney. He oh, came out and him. sang Let It Be. Now, I'm like, 
Of course Paul played. That makes sense. But at the time, he hadn't performed live for over five years and apparently was very nervous yeah, going right. out there. And when he launched into Let It Be, his microphone went dead and the vast majority of the Wembley crowd couldn't hear a thing. But, of course, it's one of the greatest sing-along songs of all time so that they just sing. The crowd just oh, sings it until it, it comes it back on. makes it better, probably. And then yeah. when his, his mic came back on for the second verse, the crowd absolutely <laughs> roars. They're like, oh, my God. <laughs> But it was kind of kept a bit of a secret. Like uh, they they sort of snuck him onto the stage and then he starts playing the opening chords of Let It Be and it, the crowd just goes absolutely bananas there, for him. There's no bigger secret mm. guest that you could have. Yeah, the, You know, the Meredith Music Festival, when it, pre-COVID times I go to every year, and one year they experimented by having a secret slot and the – and the rumours got out of hand of who no, it was going to be. Well, <laughs> people were thinking it was going to be all sorts of things. I reckon some people thought it might have been Paul McCartney and stuff. Oh, it ended no. up being Bob Log the Third, who's great. But, you know, his set just not bowed under the weight of this expectation. <laughs> people are going to see, why would they do it if... Yeah. Oh, my God, Nirvana are reforming. So, that, so they, they're like, where... <laughs> yeah, dug him up, he's putting on yeah, the stage. Wow. Good. All, all sorts of reformations were talked about and stuff, and, then, yeah, they're, and they're, they're like, we won't be doing that again. And it was, it was unfair <laughs> on him, and it was just meant that everyone felt disappointed because very few people were like, oh, geez, I hope it's Bob Log the Third. <laughs> As much, but if they advertised Bob Log yeah, the Third, there would have been a bunch it. of people who would have... Because he puts on a great show. Like at the back of... Um, Beat Magazine, do you remember it used to have like a list of all the upcoming tours Then it would say rumoured and then it would always have stuff like Nirvana or <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> The Beatles. <laughs> Just a couple of absolutely impossible ones. Um, near the end, Bob Geldof walks out with David Bowie, Pete Townsend from The Who and Yaz's Alison Moyet to sing a reprise of the song for fans who missed the beginning. So they, they do mm. the start of Let It Be Again. Uh, Bowie starts singing the chorus at the wrong time, but he stops himself and then he just stands there and smiles and looks <laughs> super cool, like, ah, oh, whatever. <laughs> I'm David Bowie. <laughs> uh, finally, the London Leg of Live Aid finished with a curtain call performance of Do They Know It's Christmas? Yes. What but, time of year is it? Best uh, song. July. <laughs> Christmas in July. Song. Yes. Do they know it's Christmas in July. Great song. You're absolutely right. <laughs> i got a great anecdote about Huey Lewis oh, and yeah. that song. Look, I'll see if we've got time for it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Bob Goldoff came out and he dressed the crowd and said, mm. I think you know the next song because it has sold yep, three yeah. million copies. It might be a bit of a cock up, but if you're going to cock it up, you might as well do it with two billion people watching you. So let's cock it up together. <laughs> But not everyone did know the words. PR <laughs> chief Bernard Doherty had to go and photocopy Do They Know It's Christmas because Bob suddenly, before they won, I realised half of these acts don't know the words. Yeah. So okay. that, it's hilarious watching Bono stand there in a top hat straining to see the words. <laughs> uh, but Bowie starts the song and then everyone joins in and it's pretty awesome. It's pretty awesome. I honestly think so. There's this one and then there's um, Feed the World. Mm. Uh, no, is that the other one? We are the children, so is the other the big charity single that I'll, oh, I'll yeah. talk about. But I only think, honestly think the best one is the parody of it, which is The Simpsons We're Sending Our Love Down the Well. Down the well. That's honestly the best of the three songs. <laughs> yeah. Because we're sending our love down the well. All the way down. <laughs> Sting digging, actually digging the hole. Yeah, it was all so good. good. I'll never, one of my fans needs me. I've never heard him play any of your <laughs> yeah. records. Shut up, Marge. He's a good digger. He <laughs> just like the last thing. He just Homer grabs him, pushes him aside. Yeah. Ah, remember when Simpsons was good? <laughs> oh, so good. 
Okay, so that's Wembley. Now we've got to go through JFK. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> so there's heaps more. There's so I'm many just, more. I'm just trying to imagine like, being in the audience for any of this. It's just like, I don't I don't know at what point. It, like, sure, amazing. These, these bands are incredible. They are like the biggest thing you could probably be doing at that moment in time, seeing these people live. But maybe like by hour three, I am oh. so tired. Looking at the gig, I'm wondering three things. What are they eating? What are they drinking? Where are they pissing? Yeah, right. Because people... I've camped out the front to get the good spots, and there's like 80,000 people behind them. You're shitting your pants, right? It's really, and then, like, it's a sunny day in England. They're all burning to a crisp. Like, and then apparently, because there's so many people there up the back, you couldn't hear or see that much. A lot of people later said it was better to watch it at home. Right. Great thing to say you were there. Yeah. Which is cool. Obviously, you tell your kids and grandkids forever, but. <laughs> I reckon that it would be pretty hard. The best mm. moments would have been when the crowd were singing along. Mm. They're sort of, you're getting to hear that. Yeah. Oh, let it be. Yeah. Oh, great. Oh, I guess so Paul's Everyone's here. waking up at the yeah. back. Oh. oh. <laughs> is Elvis Costello doing it or is this Paul McCartney doing <laughs> yeah. it? Yeah, because I'm impressed by one of them. <laughs> so uh, over to JFK Stadium in Philly where 90,000 people had packed it on a very hot and sunny day. Very hot there as well, even hotter. Okay. Opening the US segment of the show in Philadelphia wasn't a superstar at all. In fact, it was an 18-year-old unknown named David Weinstein. Who? He'd just graduated high school in Miami, and when he heard about Live Aid in Philadelphia, he was determined to get on. What? He hoped he could convince uh, legendary content promoter Bill Graham to give him a shot. Okay. So before he left, he recorded a demo tape of a few of his original songs at his high school studio with his music teacher. And as the tape started rolling, David uttered the words, Dear Mr. Graham, I would like to begin the Live Aid concert in Philadelphia with this song. And then he starts playing. That's ridiculous that that worked. He drove to the stadium 10 days before the concert and camped out there in his van. On the stage. Yeah, well, <laughs> because he was there so early, he was able to get into the bit where they were going to build the stage. He spotted promoter Bill Graham, who asked the kid, what the hell are you doing here? Uh, DangerousMinds.net picks up the story. <laughs> Uh, which I'll link to as well. David explained his intentions and handed over his demo tape. A day or two later, Graham came out to the parking lot where David was camped out in his car. Graham said he liked the material, but that David's singing and guitar playing needed work. Undeterred, David asked if he could play for him right there in the parking lot. Graham left, but a few hours later, someone brought out a prime rib dinner for him. Surely a good sign. So they're sending out food to this kid. Graham came out again, this time bringing along a reporter from Rolling Stone, and David played Bob Dylan's All I Really Want to Do. Afterwards, Graham said, I'll get back to you. <laughs> and when he got back to him, it was with a yes. Wow. He was invited to open Live Aid in front of 90,000 people at the sold-out stadium. When David called his uh, music teacher to tell him that it was actually happening, his music teacher didn't believe him and advised him to see a psychiatrist. <laughs> <laughs> So it sounds like the promoter was like he got a journalist in, mm. sussed it out. Like, this, this, is yeah. a, this would be a yeah. great story. Look, like it, well, it is a great story. We're talking about it. I mean, that's like well done to the kid. Well done yeah. for the promoter. It's this cool, is isn't like, it? eh. and he performs the Bob Dylan cover and an original song called "Interview." I'm looking forward to the end of this story mm. when Dave said, and straight after that, the record producer said, "Your name is now Elvis Costello." <laughs> <laughs> An uh, and the kid goes, story. I think that one's already taken. He goes, oh, right. <laughs> well, it's funny that you should say that because he actually was told his name wasn't that good, so he changed it to Bernard Watson for the gig. He said, I'm Bernard. Oh, so right. he did retitle himself. Okay. 
Has um, he gone on to do other other great things well, in the future? Well, Bill Graham introduced once and who who used who said you should use the name Bernard Watson. He went, that's All right. so. That's just sad. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. You're now look, Bernard Watson. Give me your name. Mm, that name's crap. <laughs> yeah. Has anyone ever told you what a crap name that is? It's not like you were tasting it. Mm. Mm. <laughs> no. Not for no, me. No, it's crap. Have you, mm. See this? If I could spit out your name, I would. <laughs> <laughs> so Bill Graham goes out there and introduces him and he says, we thought we'd give him a shot and let's help him make his dream come true. Which And the crowd's really warm and, yeah. and good for him. To- well, I would be thinking he's being ironic and about to introduce the fact. Like at that show, someone <laughs> yes. saying, let's give this guy a shot. You're going, oh, who's it going to be? Michael Jackson comes out. It's going to be <laughs> yeah. Brian Ferry yeah, yeah. against his will. <laughs> a literal gun <laughs> to his head. Just <laughs> noodling guitar. Yeah, yeah, I'm here. I am sad to report that the 18-year-old's nerves got the better of him. Oh, no! He dropped a pick, broke a string, oh, hit a bung note, and later described the performance as a complete disaster. Oh, no. No, I've never felt as much pain as I do right oh. now. Even so, he was very grateful to Bill Graham for giving him a go, and the crowd were very warm and receptive. Oh, that's good. But he hasn't gone on to do that much. He still oh. performs, but... Oh, that's nice. So he's like the, the more the most people's ever ever performed was his first gig, and uh, you, you can't really yeah honestly you'd never top that. Yeah. Um, he claims that he's got the only footage of the set. He got it off the, a, a news station. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can watch a, like fifteen seconds of it on YouTube, but you can't hear the actual sound. So I can't tell you how good or bad it is. But apparently, Bernard Watson slash David <laughs> Weinstein has the footage, but he's like. Yeah, I'm not going to release that. Yeah, that that's just <laughs> so, for me. And so that that part of the set didn't go out on the telecast, obviously. Yeah, or it doesn't exist anymore. I'm not sure. Yeah, because uh, the crazy thing is, not all of not all of it exists still. That is wild. Because yeah, people. <laughs> it's so funny that TV stations used to yeah. need the tapes, so they yeah. tape over their own shows and stuff. Yeah, and yeah. and and I'll talk about it later. But Geldof made a deal with the axe. You come give your time up, and this is it. It's a one-off thing. Yeah. We won't put the recordings out. Some of them, they've since put out like a live a DVD and stuff. Bands like U2 and, Bo- and Queen yeah. that absolutely killed it. They're yeah. like, yeah, sure, you can put it on a DVD. We look great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but other people are not so keen. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether it's your first ever website or your business is expanding, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website and engage with your audience. Upload video content, organize your video library and showcase your content on beautiful video pages. You can even sell access to your video library by adding a paywall to your content. Cha-ching. <laughs> you can help with written content on your website with Squarespace AI, which I used to write this next sentence, so check this out. Generate instant, personalised results that know and show your brand identity. Explain what your site is about, choose your tone, and enter what you need to get short or long-form text. Squarespace AI, Squarespace AI makes it easier to go live, stand out, and succeed online. Oh, Dave, if only it could also 
Not just write it, but read it too. <laughs> and edit it. <laughs> hey, sell exclusive content on your site by adding a paywall to sell memberships or courses. Or sell files your customers can download like PDFs, music or ebooks. Man, it's starting to sound like I'm obsessed with money. <laughs> <laughs> and you are. So head to squarespace.com slash do go on for a free trial and to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Uh, next up in Pennsylvania was singer-songwriter and activist Joan Byers, who was uh, supposed to actually open the show. She was introduced by Jack Nicholson, who introduced heaps of the acts and was kind of the show's MC. That's fun. Apparently a lot of the performers were starstruck by him, despite their own fame, showing how big of a deal he was in the 80s. Yeah, right. And, you know, for about 50 years, but... Um, what were what were his big movies then? I guess a lot of he was just in a lot of big movies at the time. He was uh what he was in what was that? Uh, uh, was that around the time where Few Good Men and No, that's Here's well Johnny. before Few Good Men, right? What's Here's Johnny called? Uh, uh The Shining. <laughs> the Shining. <laughs> the Shining. <laughs> the Shining. Um One Floor of the Cuckoo's Nest. Uh, terms of Endearment was massive in nineteen eighty three. Yeah. Right. Uh One Cook Flew yeah. Cuckoo's Nest was in nineteen seventy five, so that was big. Yeah, that was yeah, yeah, yeah. Chinatown, the seventies. Of course. It's Chinatown, Marge. Easy Rider in the late 60s. So he'd been around for ages mm. already. Right. But, um, yeah, it's like pre-Joker. He was just super cool. And everyone was like, oh, my. A bunch of the. Uh, <laughs> so funny to think of him as super cool, but I guess. I guess yeah, like was, a mm. bunch of the um, oral histories that are people saying, I just couldn't stop thinking, holy shit. That's, that's awesome. That's Jack Nicholas. That's amazing. It's like, yeah, but you're in the who or whatever. <laughs> Uh, um, wrong continent, Wrong Dave. continent. <laughs> uh, next up was the Hooters, introduced by... You're in the Hooters. <laughs> <laughs> the Hooters were there. Introduced by Chevy Chase. Slightly less cool. Mm. But he would have he been massive He was time. big, very big, very big. Mm. I think the Hooters are the band that Bob Geldof said, who the fuck are the Hooters? And didn't want to get them on. And then it's been pointed out since that he has since... That gig opened for the Hooters in Germany, who were massive over there. Right. They played when the wall came down and stuff. <laughs> so he, he's since been smaller than them. Uh, then a uh, great run here. We've got the Four Tops. Sick. Then okay. Billy Ocean. Okay. Get out of my car, get into my dreams. Something, no. Might be the reverse of that. Get out of my dreams. And Caribbean my Queen. I think that's Billy Ocean. I remember my dad hated Billy Ocean when I was really little. It was one of my earliest memories. That is, uh, absolutely. Just your dad hating Billy Ocean. <laughs> I look back now, like, it's Why? just it's just pop. It's just sort of catchy pop music. What's to hate about this? Surely, when you get to a certain age, just some music has to grind on your gears. Right? I think I think pop music from when you're just past, you know, past music being pop mm. music being directed at you. Mm. That's when people tend to hate it. Yeah. Unless you're aware of it, because I think I'm getting that age <laughs> if I'm not well and truly there. Yeah. And I think just being aware of it means that I don't let it get to me. Well, that's but weird. I think people who aren't aware of it are like, what's this crap? Yeah. This isn't like the music yeah. from three or four years ago. Yeah, what's this? I guess real. you'd call it music. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I'd like, <laughs> I'd like to apologize to your dad and say that Billy Ocean performed Caribbean Queen. I think it's a classic tune. How does it go? That's fun. <laughs> so, I think um, uh, something like, I know, get out of my dreams and into my car. You know yeah, that one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, think yeah. it's very similar to that. Okay. <laughs> Caribbean queen <laughs> and into my car. Okay. <laughs> I remember that Kappa uh, and, um, who was it? Kappa and someone were doing a, did a promo for their 
a festival show with that song playing and them uh, in roller skates doing a car wash. Does that <coughs> ring any bells? It sounds fun, but I don't remember it. Uh, then you don't, vi- you don't remember this vague memory of mine? <laughs> no, no, no. Then we've got a big U-turn from uh, Get Out of My Dreams Into My Car. Black Sabbath came on. We hadn't played uh, yeah, together. Okay, hadn't played together in six or seven years, and reformed at this gig with Oth- Ozzy Osbourne as the front man. <laughs> wow! In true Sabbath fashion, the band were incredibly hungover. Uh huh. What a whiplash in terms of time. Yeah, that Just... is a wild back to back. Although that they would have been sandwiched with an English set, right? Yes, it would have gone somewhere halfway between. Uh, yeah. What would you say is halfway between Billy Ocean <laughs> and Black Sabbath? Would you say Chardage? <laughs> Smooth Operator, that's her song, I reckon, that was the, her really big one. Oh, she didn't play to this gig, though. Okay. So it goes for her, from her singing Is It a Crime to Black Sabbath playing Children of the Grave. <laughs> then Iron Man for seven minutes. <laughs> and then Paranoid. Uh, uh, and okay. Michael DeBarry, who replaced Robert Palmer in the band Power Station, record a classic Aussie story. He, he goes, I said to Ozzy Osbourne backstage, isn't this great, man, what they're doing for Ethiopia? And he said... What's that? <laughs> a restaurant? <laughs> it's so good because you can fully imagine Ozzy saying it. What's that? A restaurant? <laughs> you think this is all for a restaurant, Ozzy? <laughs> He's got What's ready that? to reform with people we haven't played with in seven years for a restaurant. <laughs> Just who? What? What? Sharon? Sharon, don't fucking understand. <laughs> so good. So as well as pop and rock, metal and heavy music was featured. And uh, next up were Run DMC, and this was a big moment for hip-hop. In 1985, pop stations were still reluctant to play this new form of music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the rappers took to the stage, not with the band, but with DJ Jam, Master J, behind two turntables. But the crowd really got into it. They were a bit nervous. They weren't sure how it was going to go. Uh, Run DMC later boasted about their Live Aid uh, win on 1986's uh, My Adidas rapping, stepped on stage at Live Aid, all the people gave, and the poor got paid. That's good stuff. They, um, Yeah, the, I think the American lineup had a lot more music diversity. Mm. We've gone from, like, pop to metal to, to hip-hop. hip-hop within three acts. And then? Whereas all, nearly all of... Mm. All of the English one was pretty much pop, wasn't pretty it? Pretty pop, yeah. yeah. Then we've got Rick Springfield, another Aussie representing. Oh, geez, he timed that well. Oh, no, he was bigger in America for longer. He's sort of one-hit wonder in Australia, but I think he had more of a career over there. He ended up playing himself for a whole story arc on Californication, I think, <laughs> if I'm remembering awesome. that right. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> uh, then it was REO Speedwagon, Crosby, Stills and Nash were after that. Sick. Then uh, Judas Priest, more English metal. Mm-hmm. They, Interesting that they had two English yeah. metal bands playing on yeah, the American line. Maybe they might have been over there either living or touring at the time. Right. And they sweated up a storm in their leather in the hot Philadelphia heat. <sighs> Singer Rob Halford later reminisced, my big moment was meeting up with Jack Nicholson, who is a metalhead. We talked backstage. <laughs> he continues, the real party was after the event in a private penthouse suite in downtown Philly. <laughs> I was standing with Jack and people were going isn't on. That, don't you think that's per, isn't that <laughs> perfect and a beautiful meeting of uh, raising money for yep. Ethiopia <laughs> yep. and a and an after party in a private penthouse suite? Cognitive dissonance. This 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 beautiful <laughs> yep. just okay. 
Yeah, we were, we were raising uh, money for some restaurant or something. <laughs> yeah. and, but anyway, but, but, like, what are that restaurants going? <laughs> but Jack Nicholson invited us to his fucking penthouse. There was a fruit bowl of cocaine. <laughs> it gets blurry from <laughs> there. <laughs> you go, oh, we were patting each other on the back. <laughs> we, did <laughs> we did it. We did it. Do well. He said, I was standing there with Jack, Jack Nicholson, and people were going on about The Shining. And I said, you get that all the time, Jack? And he just said, yeah. And then start singing, breaking the law, breaking the law. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. Like big Judas song. <laughs> yeah, I get it all the time. Breaking the law. <laughs> so good. Uh, okay, then Brian Adams came out. Uh, then the Beach Boys. Brian Wilson and the gang hadn't played together for a long time at this wow. point. Brian said, we had a lot of bad feelings. Uh, not, not that you can tell when His they... End of sentence. Know, seriously, that is the end of the sentence. <laughs> That's all he said. We had a lot of bad feelings. Bad, all right, Brian. bad, 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 bad feelings. Well, you can't bah, tell. Bah. They played good vibrations and they sound pretty good. <laughs> but he also said the audience was full of energy and love. We got a lot of love and mm. it was a great night for all of us. It was a pleasure being there. So... A lot of bad feelings. A lot of great feelings too. Mm. I, d- I didn't know so, so many of these iconic bands played it. Queen sort of feels like that yeah, they've overshadowed the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. but it's like these. But the Beach I didn't Beach Boys. Beach Boys, yeah. And Sabbath, Run DMC. I, I don't think I'd. Like, it almost uh, feels like it was an English event. You forget that mm. half of it was in America. And then you're like. And then another yeah. half of it was in Australia. Because <laughs> either of the concerts on their own are like one of the best lineups ever, but then yeah. you link them up, you're like, oh my God. Yeah. Nick uh, Kershaw. <laughs> Howard Jones. Howard Jones. <laughs> Uh, David Weinstein. Uh, Then we've got George Thorogood and the Destroyers. Sadly, he did not play one bourbon, one scotch, one beer, which I know a song you love, mate. Yeah, it's got like a. I've not played it for you before. We were playing in the car when we were driving around the UK. We've played it in England before, and then it's just. It just goes for ages and then it just breaks into this final bit. I it love feels it. like there's five minutes of him just talking about getting up in the morning. I can't remember what it's about, but it's just going through all these details. Yeah, the chorus like, is so deep into the song. Yeah, trying to pay the rent with his landlord <laughs> and then <laughs> landlady and then like, yeah. And then finally gets to the front of of, of, of a bar queue and then he orders. Finally orders the titular one, one bourbon. bourbon. Or one scotch. One beer. Bennell and Dennell and Dennell <laughs> yeah, and Dennell. Really he didn't play it though. <laughs> Not enough time. Did he play? Ba- <laughs> he would have played bad of the bone. He, I don't think he did. When I was looking at the list, I was like, "What is going on here?" He played. Did he play "Rock and Roll Christmas," a song I discovered last Christmas, which starts with the, the most awkward sort of. I guess it's scripted banter. It's like, hey, man, hey, hey, man, hey, hey, what are you up to, man? Oh, just going to have a rock and roll Christmas? What's that? Well, let me tell you. I'm going to have a rock and roll Christmas <laughs> <laughs> just like we used to do. <laughs> I'm just going through his let me, let me go through his set list. This is it. George Tyler, Good Destroyers. And Bo Diddley, first song. Who Do You Love? Then 59 Seconds of Tuning. <laughs> Which no one else has that, has that listed in their set. <laughs> then the sky is crying. Six minutes. Then George Thorogood, the Destroyers, and Albert Collins. Five minute version of Madison Blues. But okay. a minute of tuning. <laughs> wow. <laughs> they were actually. It the- sounds like that middle song sounds like no one's explained to George the concept of rain. <laughs> what's going? What's going on? The sky's crying. The sky is crying. <laughs> These sky tears are yeah, falling. What's goes, happening? Yeah. That's good. I'll write that mm, down. Mm. 
They're actually the band that played before Queen, like in the live <coughs> link up. Okay, well, it's good to be, yeah, like before would be um, like a much better preference. Yeah. No one remembers you. Yeah. If you fuck up, it's all good. Yeah. Uh, they, apparently they were uh, they got the call up at the last minute after another act bailed and they had to race to get to Philly. Yeah, right. Who bailed? Do we know? Can we name and shame them? We can't name and nah. shame that one. We, I do have a list of a few bands that didn't make it. Okay. Uh, but in the lineup, then there was Simple Minds. Mm-hmm. And this is singer Jim Kerr. For probably 80 to 90% of the set, I was thinking on stage, holy fuck, that's Jack Nicholson. So I don't really have much of a recollection. <laughs> that's so it. funny that they're all saying it. So much of this lineup seems to be Brit. He, they're Scottish, aren't they? Simple Minds or English. Yeah. And uh, their mega hit. Don't you forget about me? It only been released a few months earlier, oh, so they're absolutely right. peaking. <laughs> you you did the freeze frame that that song is famous <laughs> yeah, for at the end of Breakfast Club. Exactly that that all, that all just come out. Uh, then we've got the Pretenders. At the time, singer Chrissy Hind was married to Jim Kerr, who just played with Simple Minds, so they went one then the other, which is cool. Awesome. Uh, then Santana played. I did not know this. Yeah, Woodstock connection. Yeah, so he played Woodstock along with the Who, Crosby, Stills and Nash, and Neil oh, Young's yeah, coming right. up. So there's a few. That, and that was what sixteen years earlier, seventeen years earlier. So that's was wild still, to me. Still like great. that just feels like lifetimes in between <clears throat> Woodstock, like the sixties and, gen- and the eighties. Full generation, but sixteen years. Like you go back sixteen years now, and that I mean, this is just old man talk, but doesn't feel like trends and that have changed that much. You know, music and no, I guess go back sixteen. Yeah, no, there's like sixteen a, years back, two thousand six. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I imagine if I went back there, I'd be like, fuck, this yeah. is, why is everyone wearing boot-cut jeans? Yeah. <laughs> and now you're, you're telling me that now the Black Eyed Peas aren't cool anymore? <laughs> yeah, okay. No, there's a fair, there's a fair change. <laughs> I'm so 2008. You're so 3,000 and late. That hasn't held up. <laughs> All right, fair call. Yeah, fair call. Yeah, Once yeah. You, yeah, that doesn't hold up to scrutiny. Once I'd need to look at a 2006... Uh, Top ten list or something. Yeah, Nick Kershaw was there. Mm-hmm. Howard Jones <laughs> releasing. Still big. Yeah, I think Kershaw released. Uh, Wouldn't it be good? Two thousand six version. Uh, then Ashford and Simpson played. Who are? Do you know them? A husband and wife duo yeah. who wrote heaps of hits for, for Motown, including "Ain't No Mountain High Enough." Oh wow! One of the greatest all-time songs. They performed. It's a really special set to watch because they performed with Teddy Pendergrass in his first live performance since a car accident a few years earlier that had left him paralyzed from the chest down. Mm. So he comes out in a wheelchair, performs a beautiful song. Uh, they performed Diana Ross's Reach Out and Touch Somebody's Hand. And watching it back, it's very emotional. They bring him out. crowd goes absolutely wild. It's awesome. Really, really cool. Uh, then Cool and the Gang performed via a video. Then Madonna. Where are they? Why are they performing via a video? I'm not 100% sure where That's they were. That shows power. Like they, You'd think they'd be like, if you can't make it to mm. the venue, mm. you know, you can't play. But Cool and the Gang were obviously... Uh, Big enough draw that they thought it was worth it. Uh, and then Madonna comes out, who was only two albums in at that time, so pretty fresh. Only about ten number one singles probably. <laughs> yeah, at that yeah, point. yeah. But she was massive because the second album in particular, absolutely huge. She was introduced by Bette Midler, who said <laughs> Bette Midler's there as well, by the way, guys. <laughs> yeah, okay. Jack Nicholson, Bette Midler. Muhammad Billy Ali Conley's is hanging there. out backstage. He doesn't is come it, out. But what is, is this? It? The Krusty Telethon? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> It just seems that it feels like a lot of people didn't know what was happening and all their mates are like, well, I guess I should wander along. I guess and- I should go. Uh. Did Bet get up mm. and sing uh, 
wind beneath my wings. She doesn't. She but she didn't sing, but she did introduce a few people with Jack Nicholson, which is pretty cool. Okay, but she goes. I want this is introducing Madonna. I want you to know that I have no idea why I was asked to introduce this next act. A woman who pulled herself up by her bra straps and has been known to let them down occasionally. She's great. She's a lot like a virgin. She's Madonna. <laughs> and then Madonna set was also highly acclaimed. A lot of people talk about you two, Queen and Madonna being top right. picks for the day. She absolutely killed it. Uh, then Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Fucking hell. Doesn't stop. <laughs> then Kenny Loggins did one song, Footloose. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it would have been tough him choosing between that and uh, Danger Zone. Oh, I know what I would have picked. Mm. I would have been on that highway, baby. Mm. Uh, then The Cars. Sick. Then Neil Young did a Holy solo shit. set. Which is cool. Then Power Station came on before, that band I talk about. Then the Tom. Who, um, who was Power Station? Oh, they. Um, why didn't I mention them before? I don't think I don't. Do you know Power Station? No. They were this like, one more than the English one is like, I think I've known every act until I've this point. Oh, I think they, they were like a super group at the time. A couple of members of Duran Duran were in it. Okay. And then they had a couple of different singers. Yeah, right. Inclu- they, they had a famous singer who then left. It was made up of Robert Palmer. Uh, you know. Uh, Robert Palmer, uh, former chic Simply drummer. Irresistible. I was watching those uh, his film clips the other day. It's they're so funny. <laughs> it's like this guy, middle-aged man, and then just models miming instruments behind him. It's rare. It's so. It's just. I'm like, only whenever that was, mm. could that be like an MTV hit. It is beautiful. It's, uh, are we past the age of middle-aged people having hits? I th- I reckon no. I, I reckon Who, who's middle aged now and having like pop hits? Oh, Elton John's had two number one hits in the last year. Did you know that? No. no. A Christmas song, that. maybe. Christmas song with Ed Sheeran and then someone else. Mm. Uh, I think Panow. Yeah. He did a song with Panow. Really? That was huge. They had a number one hit. Yeah. So he's had two. Panow had a number one hit in England. Or in the uh, UK. I think in America. In America. Yeah, the well, song is Panow. And, uh, yeah. sorry, it's Elton John, Dua Lipa, the Panow remix. Yeah. yeah, wow. There you go. And it's, uh, how old is Ed Sheeran? Because when he gets past. to middle age, uh, I reckon yeah, that's we'll, true. He'll still be know. cranking. I'm him. thinking yeah. of, um, like, um, who's the NERD front man again? Pharrell. Pharrell. He, like, he had hits <clears throat> into his, like, at least into his 40s. Yeah. Madonna maybe did as well. But, yeah. I just I don't doesn't seem like it's that common anymore. But I mean, yeah. I couldn't tell you what the top like, ten songs right now I are. I wouldn't have a clue. Maybe they're all by. <laughs> I'm like, like, like when was the last like I can kind of think of middle aged man with like modelled behind him? I only think like blurred lines. Oh yeah, that's, that's a recent hit. That's, yes, that's a that's a classic recent. Okay, recent it, one, right? Yeah, that's true. Would he have been? And he was middle aged. He probably would have been Robert he, Palmer aged. He was going through a midlife crisis. Yeah, because so. Robert Palmer was. He probably wasn't even that old, was he? Well, he 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 died in two thousand three, and he was only fifty four when he died. Yeah, right. But yeah, so to answer your question, Power Station was him, the drummer from Chic, and then the bass player and guitarist from Duran Duran, the two Taylors. So yeah, they came out performed without Robert Palmer, the other guy, Michael DeBarry, replaced him. Uh, then the Thompson Twins came on, who were sort of peaking at that time, a very eighties band. They also performed in the Madonna set. Then Eric Clapton came out. His Layla was also acclaimed. That day. Right. Another English act. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Then uh, Phil Collins made it to the gig. 
to be the only performer to sing live at both live ad concerts. He says to the crowd, I was, in, I was in England this afternoon. Funny old world, isn't it? And then he starts playing. He just did like a hymn and piano set. He was introduced by Jack Nicholson and Bette Midler, which is pretty cool. Uh, then it's time to discuss Led Zeppelin. Okay. The three surviving members of Led Zeppelin reformed. This is five years after their drummer, John Bonham, had died, mm. and they called the band off then. Two drummers filled in for Bonham. One was Phil Collins. So he did a third set. He's already done a medley with Sting. Now a solo set. Now he's playing drums. Because uh, he'd played on Robert Plant's, the singer of Led Zeppelin's first two solo albums. So they knew each other well. And then they also had Tony Thompson play on one track. Phil stuck around. He introduced Led Zeppelin and then gets and He goes, my mates, you might know him. It's Robert Plant. Etc. <laughs> uh, Etc. Et what have I gone blank on? Mm. Jimmy Page. John Paul Jones. Uh, the performance was criticised for Plant's hoarse voice. Oh, was... no. <laughs> Is that a fucking horse up there? <laughs> that fucking mane. Uh, Jimmy Page was criticised for his obvious intoxication and out-of-tune guitar, <laughs> a lack of rehearsal and poorly functioning monitors. Ah, uh, that rules. Plant described the performance as a fucking atrocity for us. It made us look like loonies. Oh, this is great. Okay, this is for charity. It's going to be one of the biggest things uh, that the world's ever seen. Oh, Are like, you drunk as shit? Yes. I am off my face. Yes, I am. I'm sir. looking forward to performing for this restaurant. Ozzy <laughs> <laughs> told me it tastes fucking good. Uh, they use is- a bread or something. And you use that instead of like a fork. Very yeah. good. <laughs> I hate forks. <laughs> Fuck them. <laughs> Uh, this is from a music website I found. Not sure if you're familiar with that, but I think it's called mm. wikipedia.org. Oh, I think I've heard of that you heard one. Of that? Yeah. Wow. Yes. Okay, I haven't. You haven't? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, let me, Wait, uh, Wikipedia or wiki? Wikipedia.org, mm. I think. Another wiki one. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'll look into that. Uh, Paige later criticised Colin's performance, Phil, because Phil's on drums, saying, Robert told me Phil Collins wanted to play with us. I told him that was all right if he knows the numbers, but at the end of the day, he didn't know anything. <laughs> We played a whole lot of love, and he was just there bashing away cluelessly and grinning. I thought that was really a joke. Uh, fuck. Look, he's jet-lagged as shit, you know? Give <laughs> yeah. him a break. But it, it, uh, having read some stories about this, it sounds like everything went wrong, everything. and Jimmy Page is just scapegoating For Collins. For sure, because yeah. Collins responded, it wasn't my fault it was crap. I would have walked off. I could have walked off. If I could have walked off, I would have. But then we'd be all talking about why Phillins wa- Collins walked off during Live Aid. So I just stuck it out. I turned up and I was a square pig in a round hole. Robert was happy to see me, but Jimmy wasn't. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. Jimmy Page from when he rocked up was like, "Who's? why is this fucking guy yeah. here sort of thing. And yeah. Phil Collins had played drums in Genesis, so he's like a, a Yeah, he's known drummer. as one of the yeah. greatest drummers yeah. of all time. He's a really good Even, drummer. It's funny that he's sort of known as having some of the, the cheesiest pop mm. songs of yeah. all time. Yeah, he's but, also technically a very good drummer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Led Zeppelin, they're one of the ones that have blocked broadcasts of the performance and withheld permission to be included on Aww. DVDs. But you can watch a pretty low-res version on YouTube, Aww. and the comments are brutal. <laughs> and I will read some of them now. <laughs> You know what's going to be bad? When his voice is training just to get the crowd amped up before he even sings. <laughs> He's like, G'day, Philadelphia! There's another separate comment. The fact that Jimmy Page had the audacity to blame this atrocity on Phil Collins astounds me. Yeah. Another one. The last person I'd expect to butcher a Jimmy Page solo is Jimmy Page. <laughs> 
Someone wrote, Jimmy is so high he doesn't need a stairway to reach heaven, <laughs> which they did play. And finally, if they ever make a Led Zeppelin biopic, Live Aid will definitely not be their ending scene, which it is in the Queen, the Queen one, Bohemian Rhapsody. They played rock and roll, whole lot of love, and then a nine-minute version of Stairway to Heaven, which is going quite... On paper. Yeah. That's a, that's a, it's hard to beat that as yeah. a set. And it's going quite... Stairway's not too bad until it gets to the solo and he just starts going <laughs> for it. it. <laughs> wank, wank, <laughs> wank. <laughs> you even see Robert look at him like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> he says, nay, oh Jimmy. No. I am playing with one of the greatest rock and roll guitarists ever. <laughs> oh my god! Okay, then Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young come out. So they've done their separate sets oh, and they come together. They were they uh, calmed the crowd down after that. <laughs> so the like the live crowd, I crowd imagine probably really wouldn't have even noticed that Led <laughs> Zeppelin were butchering it because they're getting they're singing along. And yeah, yeah, mm. crowd goes absolutely wild for it. So if it wasn't televised, it, you know. Because it was put, they were one of the most hyped and anticipated acts. Yeah, because they'd been mm. broken up. Broken up for five years. Pro- most people thought they'd never play together again. But, yeah. And they were huge, but. Uh, then Duran Duran came out. I think that, that's like being anxious about that can lead to you doing things that aren't going to help your performance. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Sounds like none of them were prepared. Yeah. And you wonder if it was, I mean, who knows, but it, it feels like maybe they were nervous. Mm. <laughs> so nervous that they yeah. got well, either too high yeah. or. Didn't rehearse or whatever, or maybe I'm. That's a cop out. I don't know. Yeah, well, that but that's what thing. I'm thinking. Yeah. I, if I'm feeling the pressure of that like build up, maybe, yeah, yeah. maybe I'll just have like maybe I'll just have, eight beers. <laughs> I'll have a little sherry. Yeah, <laughs> All of a sudden you're like yeah. drinking <laughs> sherry or some weird drink from, from the bottle. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but let's not forget that in the Woodstock episode, Santana was waiting side of stage for so long that he just took all these hallucinogenics that's that true. absolutely kicked in during your set, and it's, like, highly acclaimed. That's true. <laughs> he killed it. Is there footage of that, though? Was that going out live? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess it depends what, you know, was inviting in. So it's like psychedelics. Yeah, it helped the performance. He thought his guitar great. was a snake. Yeah, he, <laughs> yeah. he yeah. saw snake. But then half the crowd were... Three quarters of the crowd at that gig were also on the trip with him, <laughs> yeah. so they were happy to see anything. Mm. Then Duran Duran come out, who are huge at the Another time. Another English band. They'd just done the Bond theme, View to a Kill, and there was a lot of anticipa- anticipation for their set. They were also highly amped up. Young crowd, very happy to see them. But really the band was in turmoil. They drove in silence to the gig. They were not getting on. Oh, no. During the chorus of A View to a Kill, singer Simon Le Bon inadvertently hits an off-key falsetto note. And media outlets called it the bum note heard around the world, <laughs> as opposed to uh, Freddie's note heard around the world. That's just cruel. Yeah, Le, Le Bon later described it as the most embarrassing moment of his career. I've watched it. it again, it's on YouTube, but honestly, if you haven't pointed it out, I wouldn't have noticed. It's not that bad. It's like mm. a view to a kill. Who cares? Like, <laughs> yeah. They played for 18 minutes or something. Who cares? Yeah, it's so funny. Uh, it's it's nice to know that w- uh, that feels like a real like Twitter and YouTube generation thing to do. But it's it's nice to know that hum- hmm. humans have always sucked. Oh, yeah. You know, piling on back. this tiny mistake. Yeah. And everyone going, oh, that sucks. I'm writing a story about it. <laughs> yeah. Simon yeah. Le Bon yeah. fucked up his life. <laughs> what a big fucking loser. And we joke about it. Like, he's gone from the coolest man in the world to mm. being, like, so uncool. Live Aid wasn't intended to be a farewell performance for Duran Duran. <laughs> they only 
wanted to take a break after years of non-stop touring, but they, they didn't get back together again until mm. 2003. Wow. That's how badly it went. <laughs> wow. Because, oh, look, mate, you fuck, because that one note. Yeah. We, we, let's just take a break. Let's just, let's just see how the bands, see how it goes. The guitarist actually blamed Phil Collins for this set. (laughs) (laughs) It was backstage, but... Uh, uh. Backstage, fucking with the microphones, going... (laughs) That wasn't me. Uh, Then Patti LaBelle, then Hall & Oates. They did a pretty sweet set. Then Mick Jagger. Uh, Hall & Oates actually stuck around to be the backing band for Mick Jagger. John Oates described the rehearsal of this. We rehearsed with Eddie and David. And then Mick came in to go over his stuff. He went into the entire Mick Jagger routine, but this was in a room with nobody except (laughs) us. He started running around the stage, flapping his wings like a chicken and doing the Mick Jagger facial things (laughs) as if there were 100,000 people in the room. The room was empty. (laughs) It's so funny to imagine. (laughs) You're there going, trying to keep a straight face. Yeah, is he like, I've got to, whoever's watching, I I can't drop my guard. Yeah. This is this is my mask. Yeah, I'll look silly if I don't do this. <laughs> and that, like, they would have had the genuine version of that um, musicless film clip. Yeah, yeah. him just. Like... <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mick did a few songs solo, and then Tina Turner came out for a duet. I know. Okay, she'd cancelled her own shows to be there. Amazing. I cannot believe this list keeps going. And there was a famous wardrobe malfunction moment where he accidentally, in mm. inverted commas, unclips her skirt. Oh, my God. Uh, many have speculated that it was planned. Like, Very similar to the yeah. Janet Jackson moment. That's right. Yeah. Scandalous. Okay, then... Um, if, it, if they didn't mean to unclip the skirt, why was she wearing pants underneath? <laughs> <laughs> huh? Huh? Tell that me that. Doesn't make any sense. Uh, then Bob Dylan came out. Uh, also, people were people <laughs> okay. were fawning over him too. Like okay. apparently, people were like getting photos and like because is... he's such a superstar. Which always made me laugh that in the when he was in the traveling Wilburys with all those superstars, mm. George Harrison, Roy Orbison, etc. But apparently, cop that Tom Petty, Tom Petty, and <laughs> Jeff Lynne. Yes, the I call him the ELO guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But they're all superstars, especially a Beatle, George Harrison. But mm. apparently, they were all like. Oh, my God. We the get to play o. with Bob Dylan. Oh, oh I God. heard it was the Roy Orbison. I think Jeff Lynne was, loved Roy Orbison. That's right. what he, uh, he was his childhood hero. Can we get him in the band? But with Bob Dylan, and apparently, I think even on day one, Bob Dylan said something like, look, I know Did you- you know ELO, the O in ELO actually is a tribute to Roy Orbison. <laughs> the big O. <laughs> yeah. <The> ELO. <laughs> but yeah, I think on day one- they had to say something like, look, I know uh, we're all in, in awe of you, Bob Dylan, but we've got to be equal here. <laughs> and he went, oh, you, you're happy to play with me? Well, I'm pretty happy to play with you guys too. It's like, fuck. <laughs> it was so, George Harrison. Band, I know, basically. but like, he was like. But, yeah, know. I know George Harrison was definitely. I, I was reading recently about how uh, George Harrison was like, when him and Bob met early on, George was like, how do you write these lyrics? I don't understand how you come up with them. And then and Bob was like, how do you know all these chords? And how do you put them together? <laughs> like, and they were both going like, you're a genius. But... Interesting. <laughs> Which is nice. It's, like, it's much nicer yeah. when it goes both ways, I think. Mm. Mm. So Bob Dylan came out. He was the headlining sort of with the last solo act, like Paul McCartney was on there. Mm-hmm. And he was backed up by Ronnie Wood and Keith Richards from the Rolling Stones. So pretty cool. 
Then the US concert finished with all the artists on stage to sing We Are the World, the charity single written by Michael Jackson and Lionel Richie under the name USA for Africa that had sold 20 million copies. Wow. Okay. So, um, do they know it's Christmas comes out and they go, we've got to do one in America too. So right. a few months later they did We Are The World. Mm. I found the uh, Huey Lewis story if you want it. <laughs> I do. I, I do. So I wonder it, what happened. It makes sense now because he was part of this song. Yes. Okay. So I, I haven't read it and I, I'm like, I hope <laughs> I hope it's worth it. But it's, it's not too long anyway. Okay. So this is from EW.com. But this is quoting directly from Huey talking to EW. <laughs> uh, and it's him talking about uh, Michael Jackson, I think. I stood right next to him. I won't do the voice, the Huey, the, Huey. the, the beautiful gravel. Mm. Okay. He's, I want to do an episode about Huey Lewis one day. Fascinating story. I know story. you do. <laughs> <laughs> I stood right next to him on the solo lines because he had uh, the line right after. Oh, holy shit. Dave, edit that bit out. Uh, I stood right next to him on the solo lines because I had the line right after he did. We had to share a position there for a couple of hours and we chatted. I think maybe they were, because there were so many of them, they might have had to share mics and stuff. Uh, he said lots of nice things about my songs and he knew our stuff and he was just sweet, sweet, sweet. You know, Quincy Jones was producing and they wanted to make one full sweep of the lead vocals and they kept getting about halfway and somebody would forget the words and they'd stop again. And so we never got a chance to rehearse our lines down at our end as it were. Basically, it would keep stopping just before them. Mm-hmm. So everyone in the lead-up's rehearsing every time, and then it stops, and like, oh, fuck. When it, the pressure's really on when it gets to us, sort of thing. Uh, uh, so I sort of stood up for that. I said, hey, can you go all the way through at least so I can rehearse? Stevie Wonder over there has sung his part four times. <laughs> <laughs> Having a crack at Stevie? <laughs> And Michael thought that was really funny, so he said, yeah. And the very next pass, we did the <laughs> whole thing. How did it sound, though? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, and, that, and the next pass, we did the whole thing. We made it all the way. Clear, clearly it was the good version, and I saw Quincy telling the engineer, okay, let's do another. And Michael had his headphones off, and Quincy says, all right, yeah, okay, let's do another one. And Michael, very concerned, grabs my hand and says, they're going to save that last one, aren't they? Because he knew that was the one. Obviously, what can be said about this guy? Super talented and super fabulous and super sweet at the same time. I mean, I think there's some other things we can say about him, but <laughs> a couple of a couple of things. Uh, he was very comfortable. This is not <laughs> worst story worth telling. That's it. He was very comfortable. So it was just, just really nice. Is this is a Michael Jackson praise fest. <laughs> Michael was just a really sweet guy. That's the story. So, so he's just as, he was a sweeter. <laughs> Oh, no. Is that the agenda you want to push? I mean, yeah. Is that you want to go with? That's how well Huey told the story (laughs) when I heard it. I'm like, oh, what a a good story. You really changed your opinion on Michael Jackson. (laughs) Sure, there are rumours and allegations and maybe some facts. Yeah. But I won't won't be commenting on anything until I hear Huey comment on it. I can't believe he told the story like it was important and I got sucked in by that. Just this vague memory Anyway, Huey, maybe I won't do an episode. Oh, my Huey. God, it'll go for six hours and we won't learn anything. <laughs> Look, at least we can know that Huey's a very good judge I of remember, character. He was good at baseball as a kid, <sighs> Huey. Again? All right. This episode's gone long enough without Huey's childhood. 
<laughs> We're to the final. It's the final number. Okay, yep. edit, edit out. the. If you could go back, edit out me bringing it up in the first place. And then <laughs> could you edit out me cycling back to it? <laughs> As I'm reading down, I'm like, holy shit, I don't You're think like, this story surely, goes anywhere. Surely, <laughs> surely there's a point. Surely I'm, there's a point. They've, ri- they've written about it. I've heard him tell it. He's retold it to EW. They're printing it. <laughs> You're like, there's got to be a twist in this killer anecdote. <laughs> 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 A bloke met another bloke. Was like, like, oh yeah. They recorded. Michael Jackson laughed at his lame joke. (laughs) Stevie Wonder over there. (laughs) And Um, it's also Huey going, yeah. And Michael Jackson, he said he knew and liked my songs. Yeah, you know this guy. He likes me too. Sorry, everybody, for wasting all your time. We're so happy to to hear you realize in real time that the story. Oh my god, (laughs) I'm sweating. Okay, so the final track at oh Live Aid. Guys, let me just stop your story. I've got, I found a really good anecdote. Yeah, that's right, because I've got so many of like Rock's best anecdotes in this report. You're like, let me just, let me just top that. Let me just top David Bowie's blue helicopter. Because Huey Lewis, he's one of those, he's sort of like Phil Collins where a lot of people shit on him. And which I always have this weird instinct to be like, even though they're super rich, famous people, I'm like, you know what? I'm getting on this underdog. I'm gonna big him up, but <laughs> he needs I'm, it. I'm, gotta, he needs you in your corner. This number one, this guy who's been number one multiple times <laughs> yeah. in multiple decades. <laughs> and then I, I think I, if anything, I think I've heard his legacy. <laughs> I'm trying to retell that that tale. What a tale! What a, what a tale! And Memorable. only Memorable. Huey could tell that tale. What a storyteller! The time he stood next to Michael, amazing. <laughs> well, to be fair, if I'd done that, I'd be. That'll be my story forever. That I sang next to Michael Jackson. But anyway, um, final track. We are the world. We are the children. Blah, blah, blah. So Now, you hate the Christmas one. What do you think of this? Mm. They're pretty similar. Yeah, it's not as – I think it's better than the Christmas one. It's not as gimmicky, I feel. Yeah, the the Christmas one is a bit like, do they know it's Christmas? Like, I don't know. It just seems – Even beyond the lyrics, you don't like the – the song itself, you know the. the I don't know. I don't love. I don't love it. I think we are the mm. words better, but I think um, we're sending our love down the well is the best one. Yeah, yeah. sadly, all mm. the way down. <laughs> so great. Um, but on stage for the closing numbers, pretty amazing people. This is some of the people who came out. Lionel Richie comes out, mm-hmm. and Har- Harry Belafonte, mm. absolute legend. And what's he? What he's like? Uh, dun, 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 uh, yeah, he's. Dun, 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 uh, a oh, banana song. Oh, what's that song? Yeah, that one. That's Harry Belafonte. Banana, banana Boat. Yeah. That song? The Banana Boat song? How are you were doing? <laughs> shake, 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 come on, shake it all the time. Is that him? Yeah, he was the first when I looked him up, so he did sort of... Uh, so did it, sorry, did MJ perform at any of these, by the by? As no, which I'll talk about. Okay, okay. He okay, was um, okay, okay. Harry Belafonte, he's been around forever. He's still alive, age ninety four, and he's been great with uh, civil rights and stuff. But um his breakthrough album Calypso, released in nineteen fifty six, was the first million selling LP by a single artist. Hmm. Wow. Which is an amazing claim. Mm. So but he comes out already an absolute legend thirty five years ago, but also Sheena Easton, Peter Paul and Mary. Bill Graham, the legendary promoter, Diane Warwick, Mick Jagger, Daryl Hall, Graham Nash, Kenny Loggins, Paddy LaBelle, Chris, mm. Chrissy Hind, and Tina Turner. Wow. And Cher made it. <laughs> <laughs> she rocked up and, of course, they let her on. That's well, great. of course. <laughs> That's a fair lineup yeah. for a sing-along. Yeah. I love Kenny Loggins reminiscing about the good times. 
I was on in the closing song, but shit, I don't even remember what it was. Maybe a Beatles tune? <laughs> but all I remember was, what's her name? That woman with the voice of God. It was her turn to sing and she was screaming on the microphone. It was so loud, so overwhelmingly loud. There were at least 12 mics on stage and the sound guy had to figure out what mic she was on to turn it down. <laughs> it was hilarious. Who's, He's t- who's talking he about Patty LaBelle wow. who commented, what can I say? I got the spirit. <laughs> and if you watch it, she is so fucking loud. She's got such a big voice. Yeah. Also, you can hear Diane Warwick even though her microphone is off. Wow. It's not it's, it's so loud. But yeah, Patty LaBelle, huge huge voice. So it was a truly truly incredible lineup across the world, but some artists missed out. Mm-hmm. Billy Joel, Boy George, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson, Tears for Fears, and Paul Simon were all included in initial promotional material for the Philadelphia concert. They were supposed to, wow. them as well, but they didn't appear. Where were they? Where'd they go? Just for a range of reasons, they didn't make it. Aww. They were all actually packing like food packs into a <laughs> Concord flight. They were actually, yeah. Yeah, actually helping. Actually That's doing. nice. Uh, Bruce Springsteen also didn't play, which he later regretted. He said... <clears throat> I simply did not realise how big the whole thing was going to be. Right. Prince didn't want to perform live, but he sent in a video. And and his drummer, Sheila Easton. Yeah. Sheena Easton. Sheena Easton. <laughs> Sheila Easton, the Aussie cover. <laughs> Sheila. <laughs> Sheila. And um, Michael Jackson declined to perform, releasing a statement that he was busy recording in the studio and didn't want to turn his back on his responsibility to the people he was working with. Oh, yeah, half a day off. So he just didn't. He just didn't show up. Okay. Probably hanging out with Huey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Reliving the good times. Yeah. Remember a couple of months ago when I said that about Stevie Wonder? God, that was fun. Yeah. 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 You know how you like my stuff? You know how you know me? It's good, isn't it? Yeah. Huh? Huh? Yeah. Yeah. Hey? Hey? Yeah. A few, a few of these acts like uh, have played at Meredith, like Machina Easton did, Sheik did, or at least is a front man for Sheik? Uh, Niles Rogers. Niles Rogers. Did Sheik play or was just... It was just the drama was in Power Station. Right. That sort of... But Niall Rogers, I think he... It's wild that I've seen any... I mean, I've seen Paul McCartney live. It's wild that I've seen some of these bands. (laughs) One degree of separation from me being... (laughs) But Niall Rogers did perform with the Thompson Twins and Madonna, so he did... Oh, right. Yeah, he wrote one of her... He he wrote one of... Madonna's big hits, didn't he? So he was a feature. At M- Meredith, Noel Rogers did a medley of songs he wrote for other people or, or produced and maybe produced. That's so cool. And it was just like just hit after hit after hit. It was wild. And you sort of, when you're hearing him, you're like, oh, yeah, I can really see how. Uh, and he would have been because it was around the time. that What was his big album with um, that French band, Daft Punk? Okay. Uh, get lucky. He was, you know, he was on that album. Okay. You familiar with this band? Not really. Daft Punk. Oh, yeah, quite a big yeah, band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I, I know of them. <laughs> God damn it, Sammy! <laughs> <laughs> oh. yeah. See how it comes from. It's useful. <laughs> and how about Bob Geldof? Well, the whole experience mm. changed his life, and not totally for the better. One of the most Aww. famous moments of the concert happened uh, seven hours in at Wembley where Geldof gave an infamous infamous interview in which he swore on the BBC. <gasps> He's sitting on a couch next to the king of squaring, Billy Connolly at the time, which makes it even funnier to me. But presenter David Hepworth from the BBC conducted the interview, had attempted to provide a list of addresses to which potential donations should be sent. 
Geldof interrupted me mid-flow and shouted, fuck the addresses, let's get the phone numbers. It's uh, it's actually passed into folklore that he yelled at the audience, give us your fucking money. But although Geldof has stated that th- that phrase was never uttered and it's just one of those things that people remember. Right. <laughs> Due to his Irish accent, the profanity was stated to be misheard as fuck and fucking, respectively. <gasps> Scandalous. But, um, yeah, what he, did he actually say? He definitely says, fuck the addresses, let's get the phone numbers. Because... They're saying, this is where you can send checks, and he's saying, fuck the checks, call up and give us your credit card details now. He asked people at home not to, he does this like emotional plea, which is quite famous. He asked people at home not to go to the pub, but to stay in and give them the money instead, as there are people dying now. So he says, so give me the money. After the outburst, giving increase to 300 pounds per second. So it really, wow. really worked. Okay. Okay. Real laying on that guilt. People okay. really That's gave him their fucking money. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. They did. And it all went well. And he put the, he put the gig on after bef- performing himself on stage. He had the thought that every person I'd ever met in my lo- life in the world was probably watching. Like, what a weird thought yeah. to have because yeah. everyone's watching this gig. Yeah, and you put it together, so everyone's watching it. It's amazing that not everyone did a bum note like Simon Le Bon. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. If you watch it back, there's a few like you just hear like random feedback for no reason and stuff. Yeah, well, it sounds like nearly every set had some issue. A yeah, because they don't have, or... they didn't have proper sound checks and stuff like that. Mm, yeah. You know? uh, after the show's success, Bob was referred to in the media and sometimes still is as Saint Bob, a moniker which he absolutely hates. Is it a, like a an ironic sort of? No, it's because uh, well, maybe it has become that now. But I think at the time, people were like, "You've done so much for charity. Oh, right. You're Saint Bob." Yeah, I imagine. He, yeah, if someone who. Felt like doing something like this wouldn't enjoy being yeah. sent, being the center of it. And he mm. liked how successful the show had been. He thought he'd done a good thing, but also it felt that afterwards he wasn't able to be a rock or pop singer anymore. Uh, People in the media acted as if that was beneath him, as it seemed petty and meaningless by comparison to saving the world. But he just wants to go out and write write mm. songs yeah. and you know perform in in clubs. But they're like, "Oh, why are you doing that? Why don't you go over and?" Do more charity stuff, and he he found really trapped by this new yeah, right. new vision of him. He later said, "For a while, I was bewildered. I didn't have much money at the time. It impinged entirely on my private life. It probably ended up costing me my marriage." Because yeah, the media went wild for him, followed him everywhere he went for a while. <coughs> uh, with an estimated audience of 1.9 billion people in 150 nations, uh, that means nearly 40 percent of the world population at the time tuned in to watch live. That's Aid. ridiculous. And a whole lot of money was raised. It's been estimated at 150 million pounds was raised, which is nearly half a billion pounds in today's money. Hmm. But where did the money go? Well, went to the starving children, right? Well, that has been debated over the last 36 years. Oh, my God. (laughs) What? You mean this thing that was maybe ill-conceived didn't (laughs) work? Well, I the, am shocked. <laughs> the BBC World Service reported that a certain proportion of the funds were siphoned off to buy arms. Oh, my God. For the Tigrayan People's Liberation Front. But in 2010, they issued a full apology saying there was no evidence that that ever happened. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. Just, just reported on a hunch. Yeah, sorry yeah, about that. Wow. Sorry. Because that's what I have heard of. It was like, yeah, this whole thing was like, yeah, it went toward, towards arms. But <laughs> they just made that <laughs> up. Well, former BBC chairman Michael Grade commented, we're very glad to finally be able to reassure all the millions and millions of people around the world over 20-odd years who've given millions of pounds to Band-Aid and Live-Aid to relieve suffering that, of course... The money did not go to arms. But that's what he pe- said. Well, that's like 20 people have died. People have given money and then gone on to die, and thinking, being mm. like, oh man, I helped it's a, a terrible error. thing. Big and they're like, error. yeah, 
Yeah. Oh. Some people still argue that like percentage of money mm. uh, had to be given to local people, local fixers and stuff like that to get the aid there. Yeah, right. That, that kind of thing. And Bob Geldof at the time even said, afterwards said, look, I even said at the time that I was prepared to shake hands with people on both sides. I didn't care who, who which devil I shook a hand with as long as we get the money to the people. And he thinks that they did right. feed the people. Hmm. Uh, Michael Burke, you remember the BBC reporter who'd inadvertently kicked the whole thing off with his report? He missed the whole show because he was being <laughs> tear gassed in South Africa at the time. Yeah, that took a turn. Yeah, he's like a hardcore foreign correspondent. Right. But in 2004, he told The Guardian the money raised would have saved about one to two million lives. Live Aid made a terrific dis- uh, difference. But okay. actually, the key thing it did which utterly dwarfed Band-Aid and Live-Aid, was to force a change of policy in the EU and particularly in the UK and America. The public opinion that they mobilised and represented was what counted. So after this, giving to uh, third world nations mm-hmm. sort of put it as a front agenda for, for these uh, advanced economies. And that was a big part of Live-Aid's legacy. According to one aid worker, a larger impact than the money raised for the Ethiopian famine is that, quote, hum- humanitarian concern is now at the centre of foreign policy for the West. So, you know. Okay. Uh, yeah, right. Well, it'd be nice to think that's true. You'd hope. <laughs> well, you, you hope so. You'd hope. Uh, but the, and the concert became a cultural, uh, cultural touchstone for that generation and sort of everyone remembers where they were sort of moment kind of thing. Mm. And the artists did well out of it too, it should be pointed out, with Madonna, Phil Collins, Queen and U2 smashing the charts after the concert. Right. All their albums took up the top 40 after No wonder that. Bruce was kicking himself. Yeah. Oh, it's such gosh. a funny thing to say. I didn't realise it was going to be really big. Not, not, <laughs> that could not, have been yeah, really yeah, good yeah, for yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. 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 No, I, I would have been nice to help this, you know, fledging restaurant that I hear wasn't doing well. <laughs> but no, like, what, what could it have done for me? What could this charity event have done for Bruce me? Springsteen. Bruce Springsteen. I don't know if you've heard about me. Hi, my name is Bruce Springsteen. It feels like it would have, would have been made for him. Like he's He would have crushed it. And yeah, with his messages as well, yeah. So, you know, he would play live more than anyone, I imagine. And mm. so uh, gig harden sort of thing. Gig harden. Mm. But, uh, yeah, I don't think he would have been hitting any bum notes. No, Durant, Simon Le Bon, hang oh. your head in shame. The most embarrassing moment of my life. I was heard oh. around the world, so, you know. I heard around the world. <laughs> uh, many more charity concerts formed afterwards, including Farm Aid that was launched mm. in 1985 to support American farmers. Bob Dylan actually, controversially at the time, he's on the mic saying, hey, maybe we could also give some of this money to uh, American farmers who are doing it tough. And Bob Geldof's standing there going, Fuck. Who said that? Bob Dylan. Huh. Oh, but him and Neil Young and a bunch of people started this thing later. He said that on mic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Seriously. Okay. Uh, Geldof himself was at it again in 2005 with Live 8, <coughs> which was uh, 10 simultaneous concerts held on the 2nd and 6th of July. Live 8? Live 8. As and in number was... 8 and then it was 10. Was it like 2008? I think or? it was uh, the... I am confused. It was the... Uh, I do not understand this pun. It was to do with the G8. Okay. Uh, yeah, it was not the time. It was trying to get people to uh, donate more money. Uh, he should have done in eight locations. That would have been easier to remember and made more sense. And the G8 level, uh, G8 leaders pledged to double 2004 levels of aid to poor nations from 25 billion to 50 billion by the year 2010. So they, it was yep. about raising money at the concerts, but also okay. pressuring politicians against. That's a lot of cash. Yeah. How much of it? that is going towards arms? 
About 85, 90%. Okay, 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 okay. Which still leaves five billion. Okay. And that, that's pretty good. That's yeah. a lot of that's a lot of That's a lot of tomatoes or whatever. Yeah. So not all of the concert exists, like I said before, because Geldof promised the artists at the time mm-hmm. this is a one one off deal. And so, yeah, some of it doesn't exist anymore. And even the Philadelphia concert, they didn't multi track it. They just got a stereo mix of it, so they can't remix it. Right. Which is a bit of a moment. So that's why they can't take out the the feedback and stuff. But a lot of it's online. I've I've had a great time watching hours of it this week, and I'm sure I'll be linking and showing photos and stuff on the social media. But if you're interested, yeah, check out Queen and U2 and Madonna, and then also the the final numbers of each concert are cool because you're like, is that blah blah? <laughs> and then a bunch of other people with eighties perms that you probably won't recognise. Hmm. Uh, but Geldof has said just to finish, we took an issue that was nowhere on the political agenda, and through the lingua franca of the planet, which is not English but rock and roll, we were able to address the intellectual absurdity, absurdity and the moral repulsion of people dying of want in a world of surplus. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's funny. It, it feels like it's become like people are very cynical about it all now. But it it sounds like I mean, from what you said, it sounds like it was a Really good thing and had a really positive effect. Really positive and like, yeah. It's so funny that he's become. I I feel like he's become a. a he's almost become a punchline. Yeah. Maybe not anymore. I don't think you don't hear people talking I, about Bob Geldof that much anymore. But I remember in years ago, you know, sketch shows that have impersonations of him and stuff, and they'd be pretty grotesque. Mm. Yeah. I don't know if he. Maybe that's. I don't know. If, yeah. What happened in the later years? But it sounds like he did a pretty cool thing. Yeah. yeah. It was really successful. Mm. He seems like yeah, he seems like a nice guy. He's like, right, I, I watch this thing on the tally. Let's get all our mates together and let's raise some money. Yeah, the and intentions then he just, were like, really, really. He noble. didn't care. He's like, I don't give a shit about your ego. <laughs> we're yeah. doing this for this particular. Sounds like cause. It's f- for it to be organised, you needed someone like that who was just yeah. like took charge. And yeah. was like, I don't give yeah, a fuck. you wouldn't get that many people involved mm. otherwise. And it start like it snowballed from him lying. Bowie's mm. involved. You're going to be involved. <laughs> <laughs> hey, <laughs> hey, Bowie Elton's involved. You're gonna be involved, yeah. but so he did, did a lot of good. But what you got to remember is, if it wasn't for Bob, mm. Simon Le Bon would never have done that bum. Oh, no, Simon, yeah. Simon, that fucking girl <laughs> ruined my career. I was doing Bond themes. I was killing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like we would have, like you know, not had this terrible reunion of Led Zeppelin. Yeah, that's right. Robert so, Plant's also like Jesus. Yeah. Well, yeah. Zamet. Um, that brings us to everyone's favourite section of the show. Now okay. you're filling in for Jess, so you got to. She does a jingle. I'll tell you what the section's called, and then you just turn it into a little jingle. Okay. 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 The section's okay. it's called fact quote or question. Fact quote or question. Ding. That's good. He always remembers the ding. That was good. I think that's better. <laughs> Jess always does it to the tune of Widget the World Watcher, which probably isn't a reference that well, certainly that she all. doesn't. I don't remember. think that anyone on this I've never met anyone on this planet knows that. Widget, Widget the Hoonah? Widget the World Watcher. That's how it goes. Mm, okay. Anyway, so this is basically the time when we uh thank all these people who are supporting mm-hmm. and and equally. Maybe not let's not let's not say equally. Okay. But uh they support something else, which is this show. And um uh, it helps keep it run. If it wasn't for these supporters, we wouldn't. Uh, this show wouldn't happen. So we thank you all very much. It has. Given, I just had this thought just before that mm. <laughs> it would be. I mean, it'd be maybe it'd be embarrassing, but uh, for how unsuccessful it could be. But we do some sort of sans pants do go on 
uh, podcast yeah, yeah. on a f- for charity, but we yeah, do it yeah, yeah. pod aid, pod yeah, aid, yeah, yeah. on a live pod on a barge in yeah. international. Yeah. Exactly. We record a sixteen-hour <laughs> podcast oh, on yeah. a barge. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, so I'm just putting. I'm putting planning the seed. If Bob's listening, let's not think about this. Two time two years ago, we did yeah, do a yeah, charity we, we gig for the bushfires. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, we all came together and. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Send Where money down that well. We did send money down that well. Down the well. All the way down. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we just basically thank a few of our great supporters. If you want to support the show, you can do so via dugompod.com or patreon.com slash dugompod. Mm. Would that be right, Dave? That's absolutely correct. Nailed it. That was full muscle memory. I blanked. Oh, I sort of blanked out as I said it. <laughs> Uh, so you can get all sorts of rewards if you jump on and support us there, depending on the level. What, what are some examples there, Dave? Uh, we put out three bonus episodes a month. Can you believe this, Amit? That's and impressive. I, uh, I'm putting out a report this week if you want to get another one. It is a space-themed one. That was really fun to record. Which is really, really fun. But it also we put out once a month, we do a, we'll go through a Brendan Fraser movie with Phrasing the Bar. And, uh, yeah, but there is at least one bonus report a month. It's a lot of fun. You get to find out about live shows before anyone else and get discounts. There's a Facebook group. We'll give you the shout-outs that we're about to do. And uh, it's just uh, – we just appreciate you. That's another big thing you get, our appreciation. Mm. I think that's one of the most beautiful things. Uh, now, what do I start with the f- fake word or question bit. Is that right? <laughs> Absolutely. Which uh, We have four each week. I forgot about this when I was setting it all up before. How funny is that? I was gonna say you are so been doing this for well so long. Organized. <laughs> uh, I was about you got things color coordinated. Yeah, it's I, all in different columns. I'm like, holy shit, that's impressive. Um, maybe I just take that <laughs> yeah, maybe yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the color doesn't mean shit. <laughs> all right, well, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so this section, people okay. get to give us a fact, a quote, or a question if they're on the Sydney Schoenberg Deluxe Memorial level or above. Uh, I don't read these out till I read them out, so I'm not all that organised, Amit. But I think it's fun to just do it live. Yeah, uh, that's what Bob would do. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. Send us your fucking money. Yeah, right. send us your fuck money. Fuck it, we'll do it live. It's okay. all good. Send, send, do an Irish accent though. Irish, Irish. Send us your fucking money. <laughs> I'm so, <laughs> so sorry. Send us your fucking money. So, yeah, thanks, Amit. <laughs> oh man, well, I preferred maths to be honest. <laughs> I'm, the, I'm not. And well, I feel what, like. What were you doing there? Sandra's your fucking mom. Sandra's your fucking mom. You're fucking Are you doing. <laughs> that's like uh, Garth from Wayne's World doing an Irish accent. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, the, I'm the man of a thousand noises, mm. not a thousand accents. <laughs> um, <laughs> so the now. first one comes from Tessa Chilcott, and they also get to give themselves a title. Oh, yeah. Damn it. And Tessa's given herself the title Queen of Yawns, oh. uh, bracket. Oh, I have trouble going did. to sleep, bracket. And now I'm going to yawn because you said yawn, and All hopefully right. some listeners are also going to yawn now as well, if you have the same thing that I do. And I've made Matt yawn as well. Isn't that good? <laughs> so... Um, <laughs> So uh, we recently added a fact quote a question. You can also give us a brag or a suggestion. And Tessa has opted for a brag. Oh, I love a brag. Good luck. And Tessa writes, it's not really a brag or a suggestion or a question. There are a few facts, and I suppose you could quote me. Okay. Okay. We will. Why do you call it a brag, then, (laughs) Tessa? Why did you lie to me like that? We'll see where it goes. We'll see where it goes. Uh, I wanted to say thanks for the last two years for continuing to post episodes during the endless lockdowns and uncertainty. This one isn't about listen now, obviously. Uh, <laughs> I'm, guess, I'm guessing you're referring to Do Go On. 
Uh, especially when you were in Melbourne, capital of lockdowns. Do you know this, Zamet? We have the world yeah. record. Yeah, it rules. It, <laughs> it fucking slaps is what it does. <laughs> How cool is that? Yeah. Love well, a world well, number record. One, number one. No one locked down more than us. Yes, you certainly couldn't have been feeling up bit that whole time. You know what? You're right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I work in an emergency communications centre in a- for ambulance answering triple zeros, which is our 911, or what's the English or British one? 999. 999. Uh, and what other countries were people 112 listening? is the uh, international one, I believe. Okay. Uh, so uh, Tessa works dispatching ambulances, looking after paramedics, etc. I'm a tired soul at the moment. I imagine this was written um, a couple of months ago, so I imagine you're at a whole other level now. Uh, thank you so much for the work you're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, feeling feeling a bit burnt out and definitely has needed a laugh and a distraction, especially during the last few months. So thank you, a shining light in my week and something I could listen to over and over again because I have terrible memory. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Jess. Thank you, Jeff. Oh, that's very nice, Tessa. That's not a brag at all. Yeah, that's, that's a nice thing. You tricked thing. us. Yeah. You tricked us. You... Hang on, but you bragged about your terrible memory, meaning you can enjoy content over and over again. <laughs> no, that's very nice. That we was appreciate, so sweet. Appreciate you doing great work. Too kind. Now, although... And the emergency work is great work, too. Mm. Thank oh, you so much. Amazing. And it, But you have made it look like, to Zamet, that we just end the show <laughs> with people writing in compliments. <laughs> It's now for our segment called Praise Me. <laughs> it's, not, it's not normally like this, Sam, no, no, I promise. No, it's nice. Look, I mean, it, it gets you like a time to oh, feel a bit warm and fuzzy. This is kind of nice. It's like, oh, I'm on, on a show. People, you're, you know, your your fans seem to appreciate you and send nice things. Uh, we we get a lot of like, well, once again, you fucked up. <laughs> you fucking idiot. Did you not think about this? And I'm like, no, I didn't. I, di- I didn't. I'm sorry. <laughs> That wasn't a Nick Kershaw song. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I've now heard that you did say it was Howard Jones. Sorry. Appreciate you uh, getting the word out about Howard. Uh, the next one comes from Claire Norris. Uh, Claire's given herself the title Infiltrator of the Moles. Oh, oh. <laughs> and uh, Claire uh, is offering us a fact. Jeez, I hope the fact isn't. I really love your podcast. I hope it is. <laughs> I need it. I need that praise, Claire. Come on. Uh, Claire praise writes, me. Praise me. Come on, here's, this, here's this fact. It's a fact that I love this pod. <laughs> yeah. Come on. Come Undeniable on. Undeniable fact. <laughs> well, it starts that way. Hey, gang, I love learning from your show. Yes. Thank you. My students every year do in-depth research on an animal species of their choice. Mm. For the first time ever this year, one student picked an Australian mole. <laughs> so I felt the need to pass okay. on my newfound knowledge. There's a bit of a running thing mm-hmm. we talk about. Uh, I can't remember where it started. Mole people mole being people. in control of everything. The yeah. fortress of the moles. Mm-hmm. I think it's mm-hmm. there was a theory on one of our mystery episodes that uh, pe- mole people were un- <laughs> uh, under it all. Yeah, yeah. yeah under it all uh, and in charge of it all. I don't know if you guys listen to any sort of like radio dramas or those type of things, but there is like one particular podcast called, I think it's called The Truth, and there's one like little story where they have, which is all about like people who live underground, and it's just terrifying, just terrifying. Yeah, I guess so. It is a, it's a scary, real thing. Scary. Uh, wow. Would well, you want to hear some facts about do, the do. Australian I mole uh, via Claire Norris? Uh, there are two. I didn't know there were Australian moles, by the way. Yeah, me uh, there are two Australian moles, both of which are technically not true moles and are marsupials. Oh, a fake mole. Mm. Uh, the southern Australian mole, mole, or Itjari, 
is apparently incredibly rare to see at the surface, less than 10 times per decade. Oh! That's amazing. Oh, once a, little, a year. A little rare bugger. Right. Uh, it doesn't even create burrows, but rather swims through the ground, leaving no permanent burrow. That's oh. amazing. This isn't like so. It, this is like magic. Does that mean that when it wants to sleep, it just stops? <laughs> yeah, it just like buries itself. <laughs> Man, that's sick. That's, that's cool. Uh, its pouch is also backwards to avoid filling with dirt. That's clever. Makes sense. Uh, thanks for listening to my random science facts. I love, love the that. pod. Mm. I look forward to you each week. Oh, thank you so much, Claire. They're amazing facts. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I had like the Yowie. You remember Yowies? Yes. And your little like little I had, chocolate like, Yowies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they had like different Australian animals in it. I think I had the mole one. You had a mole oh. one. Yeah. And uh, do those facts? Are they true? Is I, that, look, I die. Your little I'm, plastic I'm version. I'm trying to of the remember. Mole. Did they come with any little facts? But uh, my kid brain cannot retain that. So. Let's just say yes. Okay. Well, the next one. Thank you, Claire. The next one comes from Eric Epson Niergaard Jacobson, uh, who's given himself the title of Capo de Tutti Capuchin. Oh. Does that mean anything to you, Dave? Captain of all. Cap- Remember that was the leader of uh, the mafia. Was ah uh, the- right the five families? Yeah, there was the the Capo and Capuchin. Captain of all captains. Capuchin is is the Capuchin monkey. Yeah, yeah you should know that about primates. Uh, yeah, because Capuchin Monkey, I think it's named after, I think Cappuccino and Capuchin have the same, they both come from the same word, which is the color, I think, hmm. of the Capuchin Monk's uniforms or something. I did read it at one point on the monkey, sh- uh, the monkey show. What was it called again? Primates. Um, <laughs> so Eric has got a question, mm. which is, what is your favorite way of traveling? Mine is the scientist. Uh, Okay, yeah, yeah, a proper road trip. No, sorry, a proper road trip. <laughs> That's is an a ongoing joke. It's another joke. Tony Martin-based thing, which I'm now not sure uh-huh. if it's me misremembering, but I remember Tony Martin on his old radio show, Get This, uh-huh. playing a. I swear he played this clip, and it, he might have doctored it, mm-hmm. which is so funny that I just believed it. But uh, it was Shane Warne interviewing Chris Martin from Coldplay for a while. Shane Warne, the cricketer, had an interview show for about eight episodes. That rules. And the final question was always. Uh, boxers, briefs, or commando. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he interviewed Chris Martin. He interviews Chris Martin from Coldplay, and he uh, he said, uh, "So, what's your favorite Coldplay song? Mine's a scientist." <laughs> like he asked and then answered in this weird, aggressive way before Chris Martin could get a, we- a word in. So often, people will now answer their own questions with "Mine's a scientist." That makes sense. But now, and we, I, I've found that interview, and it's not in there. <sighs> So I don't know. Oh wow! I didn't know you. I've watched the, the whole interview and it's not in there. So I'm not sure what's happened here. Yeah. If I'm misremembering, or if Tony Martin doctored it somehow, or what happened, I should. You got to email Tony. I should yeah. try and find out. Get Tony on the blower. Uh, Ask him some questions. So anyway, yes. Yeah, so Eric uh, says he loves a road trip. That's his favorite way of traveling. Do you have a favorite, favorite way of, tra- of traveling? traveling? On foot. Bicycle, uh, flying. Yeah, like again, Concord. Tra- traveling has been such a rare thing these days. Yeah. Uh, it's almost like a distant memory. Um, Do I like to travel from the uh, kitchen to the lounge room? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. But yeah. how do you travel in a Concord? On foot. Oh, okay. Uh, I hit the steps up. Uh, yeah, that looks fair. Three or four of them <laughs> at a time. I mean, I, I do love to drive. Driving's always yeah. fun. Love um, I love, I love, I love to, to drive because I love listening to music, listening yes. to podcasts. 
Yeah, yeah. I always like having. Uh, I, 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 uh, you know, with of course, <laughs> who else am I driving with these days? Because you know, even in this like a little, little bubble of ours, but like driving place with my wife, it's always like a good time to have a conversation, and it's yeah. always a fun time. Yeah, I love a road trip. My um, What's your favorite? Like that's going like longer distance. Mm. It sounds like we're all kind of road trip yeah, yeah, over yeah, 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 plane. Yeah. I do look. I, I quite enjoy a plane ride. Uh, don't get me wrong. Big fan. I, I found uh, more recently because I've done like the Australia UK several times, um, and in the more recent times, we uh, we've broken it up by just going to like um, say like Malaysia or something like that, oh, having a cool. couple days there, nice. and that is great. And I'm never not doing that. Yeah. So your favorite way of travel can, is to break the it layover. Up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, just get as many destinations in as you mm. can. Jeez, mm. if wherever, you know, if that becomes a thing that happens is, you know, mm-hmm. common again, mm-hmm. I reckon I'll, yeah, I'll be making the most of every opportunity to go anywhere. 100%. <laughs> but, um, yes. yeah, I like the road trip. Mm. Obviously, you can't road trip overseas from mm-hmm. here, but um, I'll, you can stop at any point, mm. get a dare ice coffee. You know what I mean? Well, you can't yeah. do that on a plane. Get a sausage roll. Yeah. Ugh. At any point. Any point. Any point. Servo's coming up. Get a dare us coffee and a yeah, well, yeah, anything. Yeah, yeah. The other, sausage uh, roll. The other uh, couple of weeks back, we uh, we had, we went like like sort of out into where did we go? Somewhere out in the bush that we were just like, there's an Airbnb available. It's cheap. Let's go. I want to sleep in a bed. It's not mine. Love it. Um, and on the way back, we passed him like a Macca's, and we're like, dare we? And we just got a Slurpee with a bit of uh, soft serve in that. Oh, oh did you put that, that in yourself? Or did you no, no, we asked for it. You can just do this now. It's even like the some of the self checkouts. You just go boop, 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 done. Whoa! Mix that up. Had a good time. That's so good. I wonder if there's anything where the machine will say no. That's fucked. <laughs> like you can put a combo in, and it's like, yeah. You want bacon bits? You want chicken? You want a, a Fanta? You want it inside a slushy? You yeah. want an Oreo McFlurry? Sorry. You want a fillet of fish? All in one. That's not compute. You want it in a bag, mm. a paper bag. <laughs> yeah. You served, and the, the, the machine just starts. Burning. Sir, <laughs> <laughs> your machine. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. J- just quickly, on term, say you go on your public mm. transport in town. Ugh, yeah. So you know you you can you know obviously you can you can drive or ride yeah, or walk. Yeah, yeah. But if of the three Melbourne public transports, what's your favourite? Train, tram, bus. Bus can look. I think bus can die. Yeah, bus uh, is definitely. Oh, train is a close. Also can die. Oh no, I'm train one. I'm really. I love uh, the train. Jake but I think man. that's because I grew up outside the tram network. Oh, okay. Well, so did I, but I, like, I prefer the tram. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. I like it. I, I, I you can see know. exactly where you are. Yeah. With a train, often you're like, you're down. Like, they've cut like a mm. a path for the train, but you can't see where you are. Yeah, but the, the train, it doesn't matter what the traffic's mm. like. The that's train's the, zooming true. along. That's, that's the true advantage that's of the train. Yeah. I, I guess it depends, am I in a hurry, or do I want to leisurely, like, just get somewhere eventually? Ding, ding. Because if I want to get somewhere, you want to bump into Meso, then oh, obviously yeah, then yeah, you go yeah, on the yeah, tram. Yeah, yeah. Also, like, because again, I, lo- I love reading on a public transport. If I if I'm ever to do that, which I do, I've tried to avoid as humanly possible, uh, and I think a tram is great for uh, reading. Great for a read. There you go. All right. I so think we learned a little bit about each other there. So you got two trains and a tram that we're talking no, about? No, 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 I'm, I'm tram. I'm tram. Two trams and a two train. Two trams and a train. And no, bus. No, no bus. no bus. I don't trust no. him ever since I saw Speed. That's fair. Also, so since I saw Speed too, no more cruise ships. Yeah. Yeah, also fair. But that was only recently. Yeah. How do you feel about leeches in a bathtub, though? Oh, yes. Uh, I think that these little babies will keep me alive. <laughs> I only watched Speed 2. Have you seen Speed 2? No. Nah. Literally in the last four Cruise Fortnite. Control? Is that yeah. what that's Speed 2 Cruise Control. Willem Dafoe, pretty good. Mm. Great bad guy. But mm. everything else, pretty bad, bad. Oh, I don't think I've ever heard anyone 
call Willem Dafoe anything less than fantastic. Mm. Yeah, that's right. That was just like a man commits. knifing mm. him. Yeah. Willem Dafoe, pretty good. Yeah. That sentence never been the hard, before. The hardest thing is that he was following up Dennis Hopper and what I think is probably the best bad guy ever right. in Speed 1. So Famously, uh, in, uh, <laughs> in the film with Jack Nicholson. Easy Rider, baby. Nicholas, or Nicholson, whichever one's <laughs> not the Nicholas. golfer. That's right, the bear. Golden <laughs> bear. The last one, geez, we're take. It's so funny. We did a long episode. Now we're just casually cruising through this section. Sorry, Zamet. So sorry. That's all right. Uh, and the last one this week comes from David uh, Malofsky, aka mm-hmm. a place to hang your cape. Oh yeah. And uh, David's given himself the title of the funky fun king of punking the pun king by <laughs> pumpkin by pumping pumpkin puns. Sorry, it was so long, my screen chopped it off. <laughs> it was your computer I think, died. I think you got me there, David. I was, was going okay until the back half. Uh, and this is a quote from David. He writes, this is one of my all-time favorite quotes, and it comes from the legendary Stan Lee. Mm-hmm. Uh, when asked if digital comics would replace print comic books, Stan the man replied, comics are like boobs. They look great on a computer but I'd rather hold one in my hand. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Just one. You're shaking hands with the boob? And so, well, I'm picturing him having one, like, detached from a body. <laughs> that he's got, like, he keeps it in, so, you know, like some uh, sort of a solution. Uh-huh. And to relax, he'll take oh, it out and hold okay. it. I'm sorry, I'll take it back. Dennis Hopper's not the greatest supervillain of all time. <laughs> Stan Lee. Instead of, a, instead of a cat, yeah, he's, he's stroking, stroking a, a single, single boob. boob. So I just imagine he's holding just um, one up, just just reaching across, being like, ah, let me just hold this for you. <laughs> one of David's all-time favourite quotes. Uh, he says, this quote really stuck, uh, struck a gourd with me. That's a sneaky pumpkin pun for you, Matt. Okay. <laughs> oh, are, you a big, are you a big, big pumpkin fan? No, but I think I think that relates back to his title, yeah, Punking yeah, the Pumpkin yeah, King. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh uh, he says, this quote really stuck a gourd with me because this year I've been binge reading digital comics, mm. but at the end of the day, nothing beats holding the real thing. No, I disagree. David, <laughs> this, that all had real virgin vibes about it, i got to tell you. <laughs> 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 I love it. That's so good. Thank you so much, David, mm. Eric, Claire, and, of course, Tessa Chilcott, the queen of yawns. Uh, would you believe it? We're only just beginning in this shout-out section, Zamet. I'm excited. You're settling in, which we're is We're going to race through this. We're going to race through this. This Zam. next thing, what Jess normally does here. Yeah. We're not going to race. We're giving everyone yeah. the time. They've waited yeah. for so long to be shouted out We'll be out racing here. through your time, and we appreciate you. <laughs> so, Zamet, what Jess normally does here is she comes up with a little game. So we read out a few names okay. each, and then normally it'll be related to the topic where We'll give them a nickname based on the episode or something like uh-huh. that. I don't know. Can you think? That's pretty. Uh, like, like we just like a little game based on the. the, the maybe, maybe. It could yeah, be based on one of the bands. Maybe you, we each of them gets represented by one of the bands, Dave. Okay, I've got the list here. Okay. And then, and maybe, and then what they do, what 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 they do that's heard around the world. <laughs> the, that's what, better. The, some, what yeah, the, mm. yeah, the bung note. What are they doing that's yeah, heard around yeah, the world? Yeah, 
that's, so that's as an example, Zamet. Now yeah. you come up with one. Okay. okay. Or, or you can well, take look, that I mean, one. Like, I, I don't know if I can top that right now. To be honest, I, I think that's pretty good. I, I was going to be one. like, how would they be? How would they feel about being like introduced by Jack Nicholson? Mm-hmm. Um, but honestly, I think it's the the the, the whatever um, heard around the world is much better. All right. So I'll, I'll read out the first few, Zamet. If you want to give us the, mm-hmm. the first one. All right. So I'd love to thank from Franklin in Tasmania, mm-hmm. Laura Wood. Okay. Well, was Laura Wood did the... Uh, I think she did that, that, that sniff that was heard <laughs> around the world. <laughs> the so she, was at, the she world. had the fruit bowl. She yeah, was out yeah, the back. Yeah, yeah, she was back at the... Uh, she the was hanging out with Jack yeah, out yeah. the back. Everyone was like, whoa, save some for the rest of us. <laughs> Just a journalist being Franklin like, Franklin wow. Dam, like the Hoover Dam. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Thank you very much, Laura. I'd also love to thank from Glasgow, home of, of the great Billy Connolly, mm. I believe, in Scotland, Lewis Douglas. Lewis Douglas. Mm. A great Scottish-sounding name, I think. Oh, fant- Yeah, I love that. With the bagpipe heard around the world. <laughs> oh, I reckon Lewis would love that. I reckon... <laughs> Lewis Douglas the and the, pi- the pipes heard around the world. Was everyone... Anyone just hear a bagpipe? Did we all... Did we, I know I'm I'm in Australia, but did you over there in Wembley? Did you hear that? Yeah. <laughs> uh, still, so, still somehow it sounds better than Simon Le Bon. <laughs> and finally, from me, I'd love to thank from South Fremantle in Western Australia, Alex. Ooh, Alex. Ooh. Okay. Uh, Alex, the uh, <laughs> the slap oh. heard around the world. Whoops. Yeah. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> With a glove, you know, like old school. I challenge you to a gruel, a gruel, a gruel, a jewel, a gruel jewel. Okay, what's a gruel off? Is that like a mud pit fight, but you fight in gruel? In gruel, yes. Love that. Yeah, and Alex is so badass. (laughs) Won't just uh, takes a beating. So much gruel at the end. Alex's catchphrase is, "Please, sir, I want some more." Dave, would you like to thank a few of the next few? I would love to thank uh, from an unknown location. We can only imagine mm-hmm. some of that's deep within the Fortress of the Moles. Mm-hmm. Big shout out to this person summed up in three letters, D-E-C, Deck. <gasps> could it be Elvis Costello oh. using Shit, his birth be. name? Deck. Finally taking pride in his, his family name. Well, uh, Deck is uh, the the sad uncle heard around mm. the world. Mm. <laughs> uh, things are going really well for me. <laughs> things are going really well. That's what's heard. <laughs> <laughs> On your deck, we believe mm. you. Things are going well. Mm. Hey, uh, we're back up to Scotland now. I'd like to thank from Glasgow, Campbell J. Parker. Campbell J. Parker. Oh, there's something to set you watch to. Campbell J. Parker. <laughs> the fart heard around the world. <gasps> <laughs> And Campbell, famous quote, where's the dog? Where's the dog? Yeah. <laughs> battling to find a dog. Where's, where's the dog? Mate, sorry, mate, you were here you alone. Know, yeah. There's an epicenter around your ass. <laughs> We've dragged it down to you. <laughs> I would also like to thank from uh, from North Carolina. You know if anything about that? North, North, Carolina. North Carolina. I've got a fun fact about North Carolina. Did you know? North of Carol- yes. In North Carolina, um, they ha- their fire engines aren't red; they're blue. Huh, I did Isn't that not funny? Know that. 
Yeah, that's a fun fact. You know that, Dave? I didn't know that. I've never. I haven't heard that every time we've. It's a real for many okay. months, and it feels like a real life Shelbyville type scenario. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And I believe it is only from the first time he's told the fact, and you've diluted it. It's in one specific place in North Carolina, <laughs> which it might be uh, Winston Salem and the resident there that I like to thank. Big shout out to Tim Dolan. Tim, Tim Dolan. Tim Dolan, you absolute legend. I think Tim Dolan yeah. might be one of our rare uh, pa- Patreon supporters who listens via YouTube. Uh-huh. And and uh, might be one of the few people on YouTube who does positive comments. Oh, so it might be the YouTube comment heard around the world. <laughs> yeah, um, that's right. Bless. The positive bless comment him. feedback heard around oh the world. God. Hey, good app. Yeah. <laughs> good, app good app. Good app. <laughs> thank you, Tim. Oh, um, maybe I could. Do you want to thank last three oh, names? Sure, I, I'm sure. just looking at the names. I might have thrown you under the bus slightly there. <laughs> thank you. Sorry. Um, thank you, Matt Smith. Um, okay. Uh, so uh, I believe uh, someone from from Christchurch uh, in in uh, 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 Canterbury, in New Zealand. Um, I am first off. I just want to say I am so sorry. Uh, I apologize. <laughs> this was uh, a brutal handball. Uh, 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 for for what? Look, I. Uh, if you want to throw it back, no. Ball, no, 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 no. Uh, Okay, we 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 Taranji, we Taranji, we Taranji, Nigarumu. Oh, that's not it. We we Taranji, we Taranji, Nigarimu, Nigarimu. I apologize if I uh, uh, butchered that. Uh, Rindan is a beautiful name to look at. I'm really yeah. enjoying. I'm very sorry, but I am very hopefully white. Close. Um, yes. Ne- in New Zealand. Okay, I'm thinking it. Is the bungee jump scream <laughs> heard around the world? That's brilliant. They invented the bungee jumping, I think, in New Zealand. Mm. I put it up. I put the history of bungee jumping up for a, a vote at one point. Oh, that's, that'd be a great one, I reckon. Yeah, it, was, it sounded like an interesting. But also, story. probably you talk a lot about injuries. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, early days, I imagine, would have been dicey. But that's why I, I bungee jumped in New Zealand. It was amazing over the water. Amazing. I didn't so know good. Done I, it. I recently found the USB, which I think has the video of me doing it. I should see if I can rip that I'd love to, to post it, it on, on Twitter or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Did you do good? Did you, did you, uh, were you scared? It, lo- it looks funny. Like I sort of just flop off the edge <laughs> a bit. It's not like a cool sort of, yeah, right. you know, Tom Cruise doing mm. his own stunts kind of jump. It's more like it looks like. Maybe I've just been sedated and I've <laughs> fallen off. <laughs> like, but the guy, as I was walking up to the guy, he must do this joke to a lot of people, but he goes, as I'm falling, he goes, oh, shit. <laughs> no. Yeah, it must classic. be a classic. classic. Did it freak you out or did you go, come on? I man. mean, I was falling by that point. And, and then, but it, uh, they must, I imagine they do this to all the people. Before that, he, go, he goes, oh, how are you going? I say, good, thanks, you. And he's like, oh. Absolutely hungover, to be honest. Had a huge night last night, <laughs> feeling very hazy. Oh, and I'm like, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm going, he's joking. But, you know, a little bit of it gets through. And then at the other end, they when they bring you down, you're hanging upside down and they bring you into the boat. But he goes, all right, we're going to lower you into the water now. It's quite cold. Get ready. And we're lowering you into the But they're putting you into the boat. <laughs> but they've just the whole time they're trying you, to fake you out. Can you see the boat or are you expecting- No, you're so, I, I can't. I'm upside down. <laughs> And yeah, it was so. It was just like, can you just say one thing sincerely? Yeah. 
All right, we're lowering you into the lava pit now. Just three, two. Uh, we're going to shoot you now. We've got <laughs> yeah. a gun pointed. The sniper has yeah, this point right. you, and yeah. they get someone with a laser to put the red dot <laughs> yeah. on your side. We don't want you to enjoy any moment no, of this. No, not at all. Not at all. Well, thank you very much there, uh, Wetaranji. Uh, and also, just uh, I guess, thank uh, uh, Rachel Jareth. Rachel. Uh, from uh, location unknown. Unknown. Oh, you can unknown. only assume, Dave. Deep. Deep. Deeper than the fortress. Very deep. Uh, but Rachel Giraffe, even in the Fortress mm-hmm. of the Moles, we can hear the <laughs> high five oh, around the world. Up top. <laughs> up top. <laughs> it's a, is it someone's dodgy uncle again? Yeah. Up top. <laughs> <laughs> You'll make it one day, Uncle. <laughs> Elvis, I guess we'll call you. Yeah. yeah. Oh god. He really weird. wants us to yeah. call when him Elvis. Oh, imagine when your uncle rebrands as Elvis, you'd be like, Jesus <laughs> Christ. I couldn't do it. Uh and uh finally, uh thank you, uh Makey Overdoon. Uh from From Devon Park in South Australia. Australia. Devon Park in South Australia. Mikey Overdoon. Mikey, Mikey, South Australia. Mikey. What are some of the things South Australia? The pie floater? Oh, the church, uh, twenty-four uh, hour bakeries, the serial killer heard around the world. Uh, <laughs> you did say church. What about church bells? Oh, the church, oh, the church the bells. Love the, the bell. Bells. Love the sound. The of ding. Bell. <laughs> the, the, the ding. The ding heard around the world. <laughs> Never forget the ding, do I? Amazing. Uh, so thank you very much, Laura, Lewis, Alex, Deck, Campbell, J, Tim, Watarangi, Rachel, and Mikey. What an ama- I mean, we always have the most amazing names. I think. I got a, a, a conspiracy theory that um, somehow the algorithms don't let you listen unless you got an awesome name. Um, that sounds about right. Yeah, I bet you. I bet you. Sans Pants <laughs> listeners are like uh, Alan <laughs> Davidson, Alan Sophie Tim. <laughs> That's probably an Alan Davidson listening. Odds are, <laughs> um, I'm joking. Alan, Alan's like the cry heard around the world. <laughs> what about Come that, back Alan Is that why you refer to him as Matt Smith Because you <laughs> Yeah So you used to normal name <laughs> Yeah Somehow you've dulled down even my name uh, yeah. Stuart No 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 no. It has to be some What's what, generic More generic <laughs> Even more generic uh, Alright well that brings us to the last thing we like to do mm. uh, Welcome. Can you believe there's more <laughs> Welcoming uh, some of our long term <laughs> Supporters into the Triptych Club. These people have been supporting us at the shout out level or above for three straight years. Three years, can you three years. Uh, one of them for much longer than well that, done. but we missed him a while ago. Um, and the way this works is, I'm standing at the door. In mm-hmm. theory, you mind a little yep. bit here. Okay, yep. I got the velvet rope. Yep. I got the clipboard. I'm going to read out the names. Lift up that velvet rope. Welcoming them in them into the club. Into that mind palace uh, of the club. Dave. Uh, is in there. He's the hype man. So okay. he's on the stage. Everyone else mm-hmm. has already been welcomed and cheering mm-hmm. everyone. It's I'm a slow clap building up. The Jack Nicholson of this. Yeah, yes. yeah, 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 yeah. Everyone's yeah, yeah, going, yeah, yeah. is that really Dave Warnicky up there? Uh, and Dave really, he gives him a big hype up. Dave also normally books a band to play for the event. Can you believe it? I have booked a live aid reunion, but only one actor has shown up. And it is Nick Kershaw, and he's only going to play a wide boy on repeat. <laughs> yes! yes! I couldn't ask for a better result than that. <laughs> uh, Jess normally comes up with a cocktail that is named uh, the based on the show. So what's what's involved in the Live Aid cocktail? Live Aid cocktail. Um, well, I, I guess it's got to be a kind of like, like, I guess like a meaty drink. Yes. It's, it's going to be filling. So we've got to have like a base of Guinness. 
Okay. Okay. So that's what you want, like a base. That's of a, a wild a, start. Base of Guinness. That's what you want. You want, you want something that you like. Oh is this? Is this a bit if, bready? If I'm, dra- I'm looking through the cocktail book and yeah. I see Guinness is the number one ingredient. I'm moving on. <laughs> okay. Then we want to maybe like again. I, th- I think this is what. what um, it's also we, Irish, Bob. You got the Bob oh, connection yeah, sure. there. Uh, I'm pretty sure. I don't know if this is um, true or not. But to start with, when you when you're a young lad or lass and you want to start drinking and you're like, I'll try it with Guinness. And you're like, oh, too much for me. You just chuck a bit of Ribena in that. So we're going to chuck a bit of black currant. I love uh, Yeah, I love Ribena. In, in, in this this is like an, an um, Irish snake bite. Yeah, yeah. Then uh, what we want to do is one of them glossy cherries. Definitely want to put like oh, one yeah, of those yeah. on top. Um, now to really enhance, like, I don't know. Now, Wait, do you so, think- so this, yeah. you've you've put a cherry on top yeah. and now you're going to put yeah, something yeah, yeah, else yeah, yeah, yeah. on I as just, the cherry on top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Of was, the cherry on top. I was just thinking, now, I don't know about you boys. I've never heard of anyone going beyond the cherry on top. Do you think that's shorthand for the last thing? I know, but do you think a shot or two of Bailey's would improve? I this think drink? so. I think Bailey's improves anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe a shot or two of and, Bailey's, and then on the rim, you know, how you normally Ooh. do salt. <laughs> There's got to be cocaine. <laughs> Hell yes. <laughs> Lick, sip, cocaine. snort. Yeah, yeah. Um. <laughs> That sounds awful. Um, <laughs> it just—it sounds like it would curdle. <laughs> yeah, in the glass before it does it to your stomach. Yum yum. Uh, all right, so there's four uh, names to bring in here, and if you just normally gives Dave a bit of support because he's okay. awful at this. All right, uh, that's not why. It's because I'm such a great hype man. Yeah, behind every great hype man is another hype man or hype woman. Oh, that's, sorry, that's what we say. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right, so just four names this week. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. Here we go from Swansea in Great Britain. I think in I'm thinking right in Wales, Swansea. Oh yeah. Sari mm-hmm. John Jones. Oh, Sari, oh. more like Carrie John Jones. Sarah, I care yeah, for you is. so much. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. Um, right. We care you so much. Yes, you get it. From Boston, Massachusetts, oh, from in Boston. the United from States. Boston. It's Aaron McLaughlin. Oh, more like Cassachusetts. Mm, 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 mm. Thank you from Thank you from Boston. Oh my God, thank Boston. You, so much. you are the boss mm, mm. of my heart. The boss of this podcast. <laughs> yes. From, hell yeah. From Brighton in England, it's Tom Cameron. Oh, the Brighton of my life. <laughs> you the are brighter the, spot. The, the bright. You are so like sunny Brighton. That's what I'm getting from you. You are so bright. Thank you so much for your support. If you yeah. think Tom Cameron is is too boring of a name to listen to this show because he's two first names, there's an H in Tom, okay? So hell cop yeah. that. Exactly. Uh, yes, I'd love a good Tom. And finally, from Nashville, Tennessee in the United mm-hmm, States, it's mm-hmm. Annabeth Larrabee. <laughs> More like Cashville. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, Nashville—the home yeah, of, of Make uh, it rain. a lot of a lot of beautiful music there, mm-hmm. playing like mm, the heartstrings of my soul. <laughs> Feels like there's a lot to lot of lot to work with Annabeth Larrabee, and you've yeah, gone you with see, Cashville. You, I've done Cashachusetts. That's funny. That's <laughs> but I mean, how is that thanking them? It's making it sound like you're only seeing money. No, I'm making I'm making it rain. <laughs> We're in the club with the fucking money gun going. Okay. And I've got the burrito gun. Yeah. Hell yeah. So thank you so much and welcome to Annabeth, Tom, Aaron and Sari John. All fantastic names, mm-hmm. as thank is so a rule. Mm-hmm. Uh, that brings us to the end of the episode. We Aaron. made it, Zamet. Thank we you did. so much no for coming worries. on this I think episode. this is going to end up being one of like top 
top five, maybe even top two longest we've ever done. <laughs> yeah. It's only a we don't normally, sneaky three hours. We don't normally go over the three-hour barrier. It's not usually this long. but uh, <laughs> normally, I reckon normally 20 minutes of this would be edited out as well, which I don't think we'll – this is the director's cut episode. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So apology, any new listeners would be like, what the fuck? Hey, but we covered Live Aid extensively, right? We yeah. did. And Huey Lewis' involvement. Man, I'd be normally begging for you to edit out all mentions of Huey Lewis, but it's it's a very I did it to myself. Story. I knew you didn't have any time like, to it's edit. It's an integral story to the DNA of this episode. Structurally, I cannot take Huey Lewis out. <laughs> But uh, damn it, we want uh, uh, people have any time to listen to any other podcast. Oh, but if yeah, this one doesn't go for three hours, uh, yep. they can he- hear heaps of your voice because you heaps. at Sandspans Radio mm-hmm. do lots of fantastic podcasts that we love. That's true. Uh, if you can, uh, 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 I guess like look, I'll, I'll keep it to, like the, the, the I'll keep it short. Yeah, um, this is the starter pack. This is the starter pack. Uh, plumbing the Death Star. If you like some nerdy pop cultures with uh, like some of the three biggest dumb fucks talking about um, and, uh, pop culture. Joel Douche has been on mm-hmm. this show before. And we've been on Plumbing the Death Star as well. That's right. Yes, you have. Uh, Joel Douche was on to tell us about Ryan Gosling mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, a while back. And I'm trying to think. It's Cass has been on an episode as well. Anyone else from Sans Pants? Uh, Just the ja- big three. Jackson has also oh, been Jackson, on our, of course. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. an episode. Who, is, uh, who I actually counted the big three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Dump douche out. <laughs> top yeah, four yeah. at best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But let's be honest, Adam Cannavale <laughs> well, is ahead of the, the douche. douche. <laughs> top five of the douche. So, yeah, so Climbing the Desta, uh, Base of Speculation, and uh, D&D is for Nerds. Or uh, you can listen to us on sanspantsradio.com or uh, on iTunes as part of the Bad IQ Boys collection. And people would be familiar, uh, certainly our, our Patreon listeners would be familiar with our D&D campaign, which mm. we did with Adam Carnavale. And he, uh, you do a D&D show yes. with him as well. Yes, the D&D is for nerds. Uh, that is, uh, currently we're doing uh, stories from the Grey Hill Free Company. Do you do a voice like that on it? Yes, I do. You do yeah, a great like posh voice. Yes, yes, do a great yes, posh yes. voice. Yes, thank you. I can't believe I didn't throw accents over to you all, all episode. I, <laughs> no, I kept like, battling through them and they're like, all just weird. Damn it, I'll take it from here. <laughs> None of them I were. I liked your, like, your weird Irish accent. <laughs> I, was a, I was a big fan of that Irish was the best. Or your Cockney geezer at the start. Oh my god, yeah, there was, was nothing cockney about it. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was beautiful. Um, so I apologize to everyone <laughs> who was offended today, uh, which hopefully was nearly everybody. Um, uh, so that brings us to the end of the episode. Anything we need to tell people before we wrap it up, Dave? Uh, we can see Zamet live on February uh, yes. the 18th, I believe. Uh, and yeah, you can yeah. also come and 19th, see... 19th, I think. 19th. 19th. And you can, can come see us. The Dugawan yes. Quiz Show tickets are now just gone on sale April 4, April 11, April mm. 18 mm. at the Melbourne Comedy Festival. Man, we'd love to see you there. Be so oh, fun. It's our Christmas time. Yeah. And so, I mean, Christmas time's our Christmas time as well. Yeah, yeah, true. We're so lucky to have two Christmas we, times. Oh, yeah, very lucky, and yes, I think one of those shows has a better chance of going ahead, and I believe it is yours. So um, I'm looking Fingers forward to crust. seeing that bad boy. Yeah, no, it definitely will go ahead, uh, no matter what. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, Zamet, thank you so much for joining us. Anytime. And until next week, I'll say thank you so much for listening, and goodbye. Later. Bye. That's exactly what Jeff says. <laughs> that was sick. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 